Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, let's get into Action Radio. Boy, I tell you, the weeks keep going by faster and faster. It's amazing. Uh, you you kind of get in the routine and you do uh, like a Monday show and ah, I got a whole week to go. Tuesday, it's like, oh, okay, it's only the second day. Wednesday, hump day, hmm, we just went halfway through. Thursday, geez, the weekend's coming up again. <laughs> Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, cruise time. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of stuff happening. It's it's uh, uh it's kind of crazy, but things uh, time seems to be accelerating. It's like whenever you get the hang of something, whenever you get relaxed at something, things seem to move a whole lot faster. Uh, that's why it's nice having um, kids because you get to mark each year. You know, with, well, grade this, grade that. You know, and you kind of see uh, see how time passes. But once you get free flowing as an adult, then uh, stuff just kind of goes really quickly, uh, which is quite interesting. All right, so tons happening. I spent a good part of this morning listening to the Republicans from yesterday's hearing. Um, and apparently Robert Francis Kennedy is going to be here. It was going to be uh, speaking before the, uh, uh, the house as well uh, about the whole misinformation uh, and the, um, the injunction that was put on by judge Doty, which I went over, uh, over for three days. I mean, it's so good. It's 155 pages. Um, and so we, it was worth spending three days, three shows to, to cover it um, because the information is so good. Uh, what he said was so incredible and uh, just laid out, the case, the FBI, uh, and most of the government is completely censoring. Hey, Marco. Uh, Marco's in the Netherlands. Uh, he just, he's just checking in. Um, but the information is so devastating. Uh, and then, of course, Chris Ray, the liar, who is the liar-in-chief of the FBI, gets up there and says, oh, I, we didn't do that, and I deny that, and I don't remember this, and I, I don't believe that's a fair characterization, yada, yada, yada. And the Republicans are saying you're in denial. You know, the court said you've been censoring. You know, you've been doing all these things. That you're, you're flat out denying now, but we know it's not true. So stop doing it. <laughs> you know, and the Democrats are like, oh, you're a wonderful person. It's so nice to have you there at the head of the FBI. We respect you. We honor you. We're sorry that the Republicans are, are talking conspiracy theories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, as you all know, what we call, um, what they call a conspiracy theory, we call an ongoing investigation. And so uh, Chris Ray used the usual excuses too. You know, well, it's an ongoing investigation. I can't comment on that. And of course, of course you can. You know, of course the answer to that for the Republicans is, well, how can we provide oversight if you don't comment uh, while the investigation is ongoing? If we wait until it's over, it's too late. We want, we want to know now. You know, while you're still doing it, so we can direct your investigation. That's what they should say, but they don't. Uh, and so it's, it's quite fascinating um, to listen to these, these manifestations. But the truth is that the FBI, I, I don't believe in any way, is, is uh, complying with the injunction to stop contacting social media. Uh, I didn't see any evidence that uh, Chris Ray even cares about that. In fact, he never even mentioned it until it was brought up. It wasn't in his opening statement. It should have been his opening statement, you know, how he's complying with the judge's injunction. But it wasn't because I don't think they care. And then he said, well, it, it's still part of ongoing litigation. In other words, they're fighting it. They're fighting the judge's order, and they're not going to comply with it until they absolutely have to. Well, of course, then the Republicans, what they should do is, you know, defund various parts of the FBI, fire Chris Ray, get rid of him, delete his budget. Apparently, there's some amendment, I forgot who it was, Holbrook or somebody, that they can actually delete individual salaries. And that's what they should do. You know, uh, take his salary, take his pension, say, look, you corrupt SOB. Uh, you've done enough damage, and so we're just going to take your pension, take your salary, and you're out of here. You know, or you can sit in the office all day if you want. I don't care, but uh, you're not going to have any power. You can't do anything. Uh, that's what you do with people like that. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, today's show is going to be interesting because we have a couple of different uh, 
Uh, well, we have one new person, one, uh, one familiar person. Familiar person is, is CJ, and CJ has CJ's wellness watch. And so we'll talk nutrition, we'll talk uh, whatever else she's got going, and she's going to bring on some guests uh, as time goes on. We are talking about that recently, and so that's going to be interesting. Now, the new person is Lawyer Lisa. Now, Lawyer Lisa is a, a fellow writer from Substack. He's a fellow, uh, what I call a, a liberty warrior. It's a new term I made up. I'm going to write that down. I kind of like that. So today is 7-13. Good thing it's not Friday the 13th. It's only Thursday the 13th. Anyway, so liberty warrior. And uh, she's a Canadian, so I'm, I'm kind of curious. I think she's from near where I, where I was born in Toronto, so we'll find it. Toronto's a big city. Uh, Toronto's huge now. But uh, she's a fellow liberty warrior. She makes videos. She writes for Substack. And I'm just kind of part of the reason I wanted to have her on was to see if she wants to do in Canada what we do here um, in the United States and actually for the world. And that is citizen legislation, because we all are on the same side of the issues. You know, COVID was a was a government uh, uh, slavery you know, campaign and, uh, and a marketing thing for for vaccines that weren't vaccines. You know, it was a total control mechanism, a total tyranny. Uh, program. We agree on that. We agree the economy sucks in the government's engineering inflation. We agree that both Justin Trudeau and uh, Brandon the illegal um, are, are illegitimate leaders. Uh, well, I think Trudeau was elected, uh, but we know Brandon wasn't. And so Brandon's a fraud. Um, but uh, it doesn't matter because they're both taking, you know, the, the, the good laws and constitutions of our various countries and so like trashing them and doing whatever they feel like. And so that's, uh, that would be grounds for getting rid of them if we actually had opposition parties. Now, I don't know the Canadian situation for opposition parties, but we, we have basically the Democrats who run things and the geldings who let them. So we, we don't have a two system. We have a one-party system with, uh, with a controlled opposition, as uh, Claire Lopez used to call it. Or what we call it, it's a one-party system with a fake two parties, you know, a fake second party. Because they're really not. They're, they're all deep state, uh, which leads to the, the very interesting um, – possibilities of what is happening with uh, Robert Francis Kennedy and uh, Donald Trump. Now, I, I found something from Seymour Hersh. I was going to save it for, uh, for Lawyer Lisa, but I want to get to this right now because it, kind of, uh, it is kind of staggering. So Seymour Hersh in his latest article, uh, which he titles Fear and Loathing on Air Force One, the very first paragraph, he says, let's start with a silly fear, but one that does signal the Democrat Party, uh, Party's growing sense of panic about the 2024 presidential election. It was expressed to me uh, and this guy's like long-term journalist. He goes back to Vietnam days. He says, it was expressed to me by someone with excellent party credentials. You know, so that's like way up there, right? And that Trump could be the Republican nominee and would select Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as his running mate. Uh, that would be kind of a dream come true. That would be fascinating. Now, I've said this for months. I have said this for months, that these are the two non-deep state candidates. Uh, I said for months that Donald Trump is hated by the Republican Party, by the establishment Republicans, by the Republican you know, members. You know, the, the regular folks across the country love him. Obviously, he's like, what, 40 points ahead of DeSantis, who is the fake candidate, the, the ego candidate, the candidate of the donors, of the donor class, but someone who's not going anywhere because you know, they keep pushing these folks forward. See, if, if it weren't for Donald Trump, DeSantis would probably get the nomination. You know, and he would lose to whoever the Democrat was selected. Uh, he, he would probably even lose to Brandon, but he would lose to whoever they selected. It wouldn't matter. He would lose in the same way that McCain lost to Obama, Mitt Romney lost to Obama. I mean, here's the pattern. So you get a bunch of conservatives, and I've said this before, right? So you get a bunch of conservatives running that all beat each other up, uh, and then they have the one moderate who rises above, and, and the, the national media gets behind the one Republican, the decent, the kind, the, the respectful, the, the presidential one. Uh, and they back that person until they get the nomination, and they totally trash them and go for the Democrat. 
<laughs> I mean, that's the pattern, right? And that was done with McCain. It was done with uh, uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, and it would have been done with Jeb Bush, you know, and Hillary would have won. But uh, the, the wild card was Trump. So, so you had all the, the moderates beating themselves up. And Trump, the, the real conservative, you know, came forward. Same thing's happening again. The, uh, the, the moderate donor class establishment Republicans are, are kind of like, you know, playing in the sandbox where the adult in the room, Donald Trump, has already risen above them, has got domination, and uh, can easily be branded in a free and fair election. Of course, that last part where still the jury's still out whether that's going to happen. But in the same way that Trump is the wild card for the Republicans, Kennedy is the wild card for the Democrats. They hate him every bit as much as the Republican establishment hates Donald Trump. So as I have said, these two are the non-deep state candidates. Kennedy is the non-deep state Democrat. Trump is the non-deep state Republican. So it only makes sense that they get together and form an entire non-deep state election. And for all those folks that are, here's what's going to be really interesting, right? Because uh, the, uh, the media always says, we've got to get together. We've got to be civil. We've got to talk to each other. We have to cross the aisle. We have to talk to the, the people on the other side of the aisle. In other words, Republicans have to talk to Democrats. Liberals have to talk to conservatives. You know, but uh, uh, what you're never going to see is uh, leftists, you know, talking to anybody else except other leftists. Anyway, so but the question is, what if they get together? You know, and uh, do they agree on everything? Pfft, hardly. <laughs> There's a lot of things they disagree on. But here's what they do agree on. They, they both love this country. Uh, and they have different ways of fixing things, but they both love this country. All right? That's a given. Uh, they both aren't afraid to be, you know, one person against many. They've already proven that. Both of them have. Um, Robert Kennedy for his vaccine stand and, and Trump for his economic stand. You know, they both believe in America first. They both believe the national debt is too high. They both believe that foreign wars are a total waste of, uh, of humanity, of energy, of time, of money, uh, and they both can't stand the military-industrial complex. Uh, I don't know how Kennedy feels about the, uh, the, the Fed and uh, some of the, the central banks, but um, I imagine he's pretty good on that. Um, Kennedy, uh, he says he's, he's anti-vax, but uh, he does everything to show that he's, he's you know, but he doesn't, want to be, he doesn't want the label anti-vaxxer, but he's, you know, does he certainly against vaccines? Because they don't work. They don't do what they say they're supposed to do. And most people, the best way to get over a disease uh, is natural immunity. We already know that. COVID, COVID was gone in a few months, but uh, uh, the CDC had to preserve it uh, until they got their fake vaccine, which preserved it further because they had a marketing device to, uh, to use. Anyway. So then Seymour Hurt says, uh, he says, the strange duo will then sweep to a huge victory over a stumbling Joe Biden, you know, that's for sure, and also take down many of the party's House and Senate candidates. Yeah, see, that's the other thing, too. If those two run, you know, the people that, that would vote for Kennedy and um, Trump would also vote for independent Republicans and independent Democrats. They'd vote for a Joe Manchin uh, of the Democrats, and they'd vote for uh, like a, a Jim Jordan and Matt Gates, you know, the Freedom Caucus Republicans. So there aren't that many independent Democrats, but there's a few. There was a woman yesterday, and I've forgotten her name, and she was talking in the hearing about the FBI selling um, information, uh, commercial, well, commercial, like companies were selling private information, credit card numbers, addresses, things like that. And that's something the Republicans would be objecting to. So she, as a Democrat, uh, was actually uh, going after you know, uh, Chris Ray, And, of course, Jim Jordan thanked her. And that, that would be very interesting to see how that works out. Uh, very interesting possibilities there. Anyway, so that's something to think about, too, uh, as we uh, go along with all these different things that are happening. Um, I got a bunch of stories because the first hour is mine, and so I'm not quite sure how many um, to cover because I really, I really like talking to other people, and I really like talking to my guests. So this time at 7-Eleven, <laughs> let me give you the contact, contact information. 
and you'll know exactly how to get a hold of everybody and everything here. And then I'll be right back with a story for you. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. All right, let's get to news. On that theme of uh, censorship and uh, what's going on with the government, uh, the government, and I'm going to have a column coming out of this in a little bit, but it, it's fascinating how the, um, the left thinks that censorship is free speech and that free speech is, is, uh, is misinformation. <laughs> so they've kind of got it backwards. So anything they say is okay. And, and for them to believe this, they have to believe that they're absolutely right. Because the only way that you can know what's misinformation and what's information is to, to be absolutely right, right? I mean, you have to know. You know, and if you, you tell people this is misinformation, you know, in other words, stuff you don't like, uh, then that has to be the truth. And, and this is kind of like a, this is their psychopathy. Um, this is what makes them psychopathic, that they, they think you know, they believe in the absolute truth of themselves. So anybody that arrogant and that delusional uh, cannot be sane, <laughs> you know, and, and certainly cannot uh, be mentally healthy. And yet that's what they think. And so this is why you have to watch out for leftists, because they're basically deranged. All right. So I found an article by Daniel Greenfield that uh, Robert Spencer picked up. Robert Spencer, who has been on the show, um, does Jihad Watch. And so he wrote a, so he's, he basically reprinted Greenberg's article, or Greenfield. I think Daniel Greenfield is either, is Frontline Magazine? I'm, I'm, I look for the original, because I like to get the original sources. I'll keep looking for it. Anyway, so this was by Daniel Greenfield in Jihad Watch, which is Robert Spencer's, and the article is titled, Leftists Argue Government Censorship is the Highest Form of Free Speech, <laughs> or Highest Form of Speech. That, to me, is fascinating. And the subheading is, the left will fight to the death for the right of the government to silence you. So they, uh, they actually think of government as having rights and, and uh, people uh, as, you know, getting, as, as you know, getting privileges and permission, you know, rather than the other way around. 
Anyway, so Greenfield says when Judge Te- uh, Terry Doty, uh, that's the case we went over for three days. So if you missed it, go back three days. Anyway, the, when Judge Terry Doty issued an injunction in Missouri v. Biden uh, that uh, banned the government from, quote, specifically flagging content or posts on social media platforms and or forwarding such to social media companies, urging, encouraging, pressuring or inducing, in other words, extorting, right, in any manner uh, for removal, deletion, suppression, um, all hell broke loose. He says, Evelyn Duick, a Stanford law professor formerly of the Knight First Amendment Institute, that'd be K-N-I-G-H-T, warned that preventing the government from colluding with corporations to censor citizens would have a, quote, chilling effect on communication between the government and platforms. Okay. So he's going to define this in the article, but just to let you know, chilling. When they talk about the chilling effect, that's what the ACLU used to say when the government was censoring free speech. So what they do is what they always do. Uh, the left reverses it and uses you know, a proper phrase or a decent phrase, twists it, and then uses it against conservatives, Americans, patriots, independents, um, Republicans, anybody, you know, Christians, anybody they want to. Uh, this is just the latest example. So they say the chilling effect on communication between government and platforms, where there should be, there should be no communication between government and platforms, maybe, what, maybe through the IRS if they cheat. Uh, who else would it be? Uh, um, the, um, the Department of Justice, uh, if, they, um, if they violate rights, you know, things like that, or if they, uh, you know, commit crimes, that would be the only contact between them. Otherwise, there should be no contact. They don't work together. They're not partners. Yeah, this is, uh, speech is not a partnership between government and social media. Although they think it is. See, that's the problem. Anyway, so the article says, in traditional free speech jurisprudence, chilling effects were inflicted by the government, but Duick is worried that free speech might have a chilling effect on government censorship. In other words, we can't stop that government, government censorship. We need that because that's how you block misinformation, whereas the censorship itself is the misinformation or the deletion of information or the removal of information or the suppression of information or everything else it is. Anyway, speech is information and information is speech. This is the information age. Or as I'm starting to characterize it, this is the disinformation age. Anyway, so he says the chilling effects were inflicted by the government, but Duick is worried that free speech might have a chilling effect on government censorship. After advocating in cases like Lamont v. Postmaster General, a case I am not familiar with, that any interference with speech, no matter how odious, uh, including, that's an interesting choice of words, interference with speech, no matter how odious. Well, the speech itself is talking as odious. In other words, really bad, right? Uh, including in the aforementioned Supreme Court case, asking recipients of communist propaganda to affirmatively agree to receive it entailed a chilling effect. Liberals don't want to chill the censors. Instead, they're worried that civil rights will chill censorship. Even though it is the height of summer, chilling effects on censorship were on display. Oh, that's yeah, that's kind of cute, but it's, but the truth is, that's what they say. You, you can't, you know, we can't create a bad situation for government where they don't feel that they have the power to censor because otherwise, how are they going to protect us? You know, I mean, free speech, in their view, uh, is used to protect people. In other words, to, you know, tell them how to think and what to do. Uh, where that's what they say, that's what they mean by protection. <laughs> you know, what they're really protecting is themselves. So this this becomes projection as so much uh, else from the, the left does. He, he says liberals who might have once worried about free speech now fret that the government will be inhibited from censoring free speech. According to CNN, what we all call the the communist news network, legal experts say that the order is overly broad and scholars on online misinformation 
How can you be a scholar on online misinformation? <laughs> anyway, it says, warned that it could have a chilling effect on the government's efforts to curtail lies about public health emergencies and elections. Well, this is gets really interesting, uh, and this is the part that's so hard to understand, is that the government wouldn't worry about information on COVID that wasn't true um, if it didn't affect them. So the government doesn't worry about information that's not true. They don't care about that. They, they're purveying information that's not true all the time. They don't care about the information that's not true. They only care about the information that is true because it makes them look bad or it changes what, uh, what they're saying or it changes their agenda or it changes their narrative or anything else. So the government doesn't care about free speech that is just made up. You know, in other words, as I, I'm fond of saying for fun, you know, uh, what if Nancy Pelosi slept with fuzzy blue teddy bears? Okay, that's just funny. Okay. Um, is it true? No. <laughs> as far as I know, it's not, but I'm just saying it's not true. But the point is that saying that, even though it's patently untrue, that's just sarcasm. That's satire. That's, that's political satire of a public figure, which I'm entitled to do. I can do that. All right. Now, if I said, um, you know, she has a gulag in her basement and she's keeping prisoners, uh, and, that's not, and that's not true, you know, that's pretty slanderous. That's pretty libelous. Uh, if I said that and tried to uh, portray that as truthful, uh, I'm not. I've just made that up, too. But that's, but that's the difference of, of what's real and what's not. So if you say something that's obviously libelous, in other words, you're making them look really bad or slanderous, you know, you're insulting, you know, horribly insulting someone uh, for no reason, and it's not true, then you can get in trouble. But if you say things that are true, that's, the truth is your defense against libel and slander. So there's no free speech law against the truth. I kind of like that. There's no, hang on, let me, let me say that. There's no, there, I'm going to write that down. That's kind of profound. <laughs> There's, let me write this down here, no free speech law. Speech law against the truth. See, that's what the government worries about. The government worries about truth more than anything else. Against the truth. So why are we censored here at Action Radio? Because we told the truth. Right? We told the truth from the beginning. We told you back on February 25th from Bill Gertz, uh, this is in 2020, that the Wuhan lab is probably the source of COVID. Okay, we, we, we told you that uh, very likely it could have bioweapon connections. Uh, it's no more serious than a flu bug. And they could be uh, creating this thing strictly to sell vaccines. We said all that back on February 25th. I, I, I just posted a recording recently. But go to, go to Action Radio, February 25th, 2020, with Bill Gertz. He's in the second hour. It like, starts at uh, uh, one hour and three minutes. You can go look it up. Okay? I, I don't make this stuff up. I just listen to it. Uh, and those are all the things we talked about. Now, we got censored for that. Why? Not because it was a lie. If it was a lie, they would have said, hey, guess what? Action Radio is lying about uh, COVID. <laughs> they said it's like a flu bug. <laughs> you know, they, they, they said it uh, came from this lab in China. <laughs> you know, they said that uh, uh, it, it's really a marketing ploy to sell vaccines. <laughs> Nothing could be further than that. That's so ridiculous. See, they wouldn't care about that if it was a lie or if it wasn't true. They'd just say, hey, look, it's not true, right? But it was true. <laughs> See, this is the problem. So government never censors, lie, censors lies especially when they tell them, they only censor truth. So you can, you can substitute the word tr truth for misinformation and be pretty well correct. So if it's private misinformation and, and it's probably you know, government truth or private information. You know, so in other words, the information comes to, comes to you privately or it's derived privately, uh, created privately or uh, you know, researched privately. Um, you can check that. And if it's not true, it's going to show up really fast. So if anybody, as, as we say things here as a private company, as Action Radio, as we said back on February 25th, um, that uh, there's probably bioweapons implications. Bill Gertz was, was much more cagey. I said, I think it's a bioweapon. You know, why, why would you engineer something and make it stronger and more deadly if it's not a weapon? 
I mean, that's just logic to me, all right? That's like saying the same thing as I, as I knew the vaccine would never work, you know, when uh, they tried to do it in less than a year. I said it takes at least 15 years, and even then they don't work. So, so why would something that created in less than a year work? And that's just, again, simple logic, right? You know, and then we had our liberal, Pianchi was getting at me on this yesterday, when he said, well, that liberal caller said, uh, you, you know, you're, you're not an expert. You don't know as much as, as uh, Dr. Fascist. And I said, well, let's talk about that. I, I said, uh, does that mean because I don't have a medical degree, I'm not allowed to ask him a question? Does that mean because I don't have a law degree, I'm not allowed to write legislation and propose it? Does that mean because I don't have a PhD in economics, I can't discuss inflation? That would be absurd. Every journalist in the, in the country would have to have a separate degree in whatever area they're asking questions on if that were the case. That's patently absurd. You know, that would make everybody, uh, you know, anybody who asks a question, uh, have to go through so, such standards. So that, so that would mean that uh, the doctors, they can't be experts in anything else. The only person I know is Dr. Simone Gold, who holds both a law degree and a medical degree. So she can cross over. So she can ask questions as both a doctor and a lawyer. But she's the only one I know that has both. She's like really brilliant. This is why I want to get her on the show. But when you, when you think about that, if you, you know, in fact, my liberal colleague used to say, well, do you know as much as the Supreme Court uh, justice? I would say, of course, you, you know, well, later I discovered it was judge. Uh, and the answer is, well, it depends. Uh, I can read the same constitution they can read. I can ask questions of them. Do I know as much as they do about the law? Well, probably not. I'm sure they know more case law than I do because they've studied it their entire life. But does that mean I can't ask them a question on a particular case? No, that would be stupid. All right? And so in, in very many ways, I may know uh, more about the Constitution because they become so reinforced in their own dogma that they don't realize that uh, their assumptions they're assuming are true when they're only assumptions. And we hear it all the time. You know? So uh, if a Supreme Court judge knows that he has a lifetime appointment, then he's an idiot, or she's an idiot. Amy Coney Barrett said, well, we have lifetime appointments. She's either lying or she's an idiot because they're only for good behavior. And again, we talk about this stuff all the time, but it's so illustrative of what goes on. You know, so the question is, do, you know, do, uh, the question, do I know as much as the Supreme Court uh, judge? Probably not, but that doesn't mean I can't ask him a question. <laughs> you know, doesn't mean I can't ask him a really good question. Uh, the question is whether they're going to answer my question. That's the real question. Will they answer my questions? Will they, will they actually uh, come out and, uh, you know, give me an answer? And, and we're going to find out uh, because uh, I'm still working on a very interesting debate, uh, constitutional debate, with someone who really knows the Constitution. So we're going to find out how much I know. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting. But the thing is, anybody can ask anybody a question regardless of knowledge. That's not the criteria. So in other words, if you're saying um, that so you're not a doctor, so you don't know as much as they do, then you can't ask a question. All that is is suppression of free speech. It's, it simply is a method of suppressing free speech because you don't want the question asked. And if the question's stupid, that's okay. You can ask stupid questions. You don't have to know as much as a medical person. You know, and even if, in fact, if I knew as much as they knew, I, I'd know what idiots they were because <laughs> you know, I know what they know. So I may never know what they know, but that's not the point. The point is whether you can ask a question or not. And in a free society, yes, you can. In fact, the whole point of asking questions is to find out things that you don't know. So, of course, I don't know as much as, as uh, you know, Dr. Fascist about medicine. Of course, I don't know as much about laws as a Supreme Court uh, judge. But that's not the point. I can still ask questions so I can find out. So I can find out what they know. That's the whole point of it. Anyway, so when my, if my liberal caller ever decides to come back on, I pretty much blocked her. <laughs> I think she's lost interest, which is good, because she just got too repetitive. It was getting boring. You know, same thing. You're not an expert. Well, it doesn't mean I can't ask a question. You know, and that's the whole point of asking questions is to find out. So let me see what they know. All right, so let's go back to the article here. Institutional free speech jurisprudence 
chilling effects were inflicted by the government. But okay, I already read that. Oh, I said no. Uh, let me see. But Duick is worried that free speech might have a chilling effect on government censorship. Okay, I already mentioned that. Here we go. Liberals. Thank you very much. New paragraph. Thank you. Liberals who might have once worried about free speech now fret that the government will be inhibited from censoring free speech. You see the turnaround? Liberals, I mean, good people who I disagree with, but I don't have a problem with him. Kennedy, uh, Robert Francis Kennedy is a liberal, a classical liberal. Loves the country, has different solutions for how to fix it. Same thing, Donald Trump. Loves the country, has different solutions how to fix it. Two of those get together is going to be really interesting. So I don't have a problem. I've never had a problem with liberals. Fanatics. Fanatical leftist, Marxist? Oh, yeah, that's a different story. Anyway, article says liberals who might have once worried about free speech now fret that the government will be inhibited from censoring free speech. So they really want to protect the government's ability to break the law. That's what they're talking about. CNN says legal experts say that the order is overly broad and scholars online uh, on online misinformation warn that it could have a chilling effect on the government's efforts to curtail lies about public health emergencies and elections. Okay, so to, to understand this, you have to believe that those are actually lies about public health emergencies and elections. See, I don't think they're lies at all. I think that's truth. And this is what I've been arguing for the past little bit, that when we talk about public health emergencies, using the First Amendment, using freedom, using and telling people that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, you know, cure COVID, and, we, and we've got the people alive to prove it, that's not misinformation. That's, that's truth. So when the government comes along and says that you can't use ivermectin, you can't use hydroxychloroquine, you can't get early treatments, you have to go to the hospital, wait till you're near death, get on remdesivir so your kidneys fail, then go on a ventilator, which kills you with bacterial pneumonia and blasts your lungs out, and they call that information? See that, you see the problem? So the government, so, so the, the whole idea of censorship is to, is to protect government lies and to stop truth. Again, the government doesn't care about lies. Unless, unless the government lies. The government only cares when your truth defeats their lies. Let's talk about the election. We know Brandon didn't beat Trump. We know that Brandon could never beat Trump in a free and, in a free and fair election. We know that Brandon never did well, ever, in a national election. The highest he got was, what, fifth or sixth in the primaries? He never did well. So the idea that somebody at their best, their mental best, the absolute best that they've ever been in their life, probably in the, in the, in the, in the 50, 55, you know, maybe 60-year-old range. You know, when he was at his smartest and wisest and knew as much as he was going to know, and he ran for president and lost horribly. He didn't even make it through the primaries. It was out by like the second or third primary because he was doing so badly. To think that that guy could come along with his Marxist policies that America hates and defeat Donald Trump when Donald Trump just created the, the best America we'd seen since Ronald Reagan? Does that make logical sense? No, but saying that, that truth, the government would call misinformation because they want you to believe that Brandon, in a mentally incapacitated state, campaigning from a basement with horrible policies of Marxism and, and uh, destruction of the entire U.S. economy, uh, of our job base, of our foreign policy, of our military, of our environment, of everything else, of our energy, complete uh, and total domination of all of us. Um, by their communist government and taking orders from China. We're supposed to believe that that is what Americans voted for? That's patently absurd. That makes no sense. So the article goes on and then says Nina Jankowitz. You remember the woman who sang uh, Gilbert and Sullivan operetta songs, you know, thinking she was clever? Right. Nina Jankowitz, Biden, this is back to the article. Nina Jankowitz, Biden's former disinformation czar, popped up uh, 
uh, to argue that it, it, uh, it'll have a chilling effect on government and academia, ensuring that officials and researchers think twice before trying to counter those spreading conspiracies and false information. Well, what they call conspiracies, we call ongoing investigations. What they call false information, we call truth. So let me, re- let me read this again, uh, as it should say. It'll have a chilling effect on government and academia, ensuring the officials and researchers think twice before trying to put out their misinformation and lies uh, against the truth that we already know. <laughs> so that's how, it, that's how it should say. Anyway, the article says, the axis of concern has shifted from worrying that government action would inhibit free speech to agonizing that judicial interference would prevent the government from inhibiting free speech. The existence of chilling effects in free speech cases testified to the degree to which we protected free speech from even the faintest tinge of indirect discouragement. Now, lefty academics and experts experts, right, want to not only reverse the polarities of free speech, but they are just as worried that any protection for free speech will interfere with government censorship. Well, let's talk about what's going on here. Let's talk about climate, uh, climate, uh, the lack of climate science. So if you're a government stooge, you're a government apparatchik, you're paid to say that uh, CO2 raises the temperature of the earth and we're all going to die. That's what you're paid to say. That is what your job description is. That's what your, your grant money is for. That's, uh, that's the study. The, you have to produce studies that say that. You have to lie. Okay? So now, and someone comes along like Mark Moreno of Climate Depot or Gregory Wrightstone of the CO2 Coalition and says, this is a crocky, you know what? This is a bunch of BS. That's true. The, the climate's doing just fine. CO2 is necessary for plants to breathe, which inherently makes sense. Okay? You know, as I have said and the head of Greenpeace said, I didn't know we both said this. It was kind of interesting. I found this out later. That... Um, the head of Greenpeace said we need CO2 um, in the atmosphere, and the best way to get it there is to burn organic fuels in your internal combustion engines. So internal combustion engines are actually environmental because they're replacing CO2 in the air that the plants are, are taking up and using and locking up, and the, and the oceans are locking up uh, until it can be released. Well, the oceans release CO2 when the air gets warmer. So it's not that CO2 makes the climate warmer. The climate gets warmer, and then we release more CO2. And then the plants grow, and they grow better in a warmer environment than a colder environment. Just look at the Arctic Circle versus uh, the equator. And what has more plants? What do you think the rainforests are? The rainforests are not at the North and South Pole. They're at the equator. Why? Because there's more sun. There's more heat, more moisture. Warm air can hold more moisture than cold air. That's why cold places are drier. How it snows in cold places, I haven't figured out yet. Moisture must be coming from somewhere. But the point is that if you're a paid stooge of the government whose job it is to lie then anybody that tells the truth about what you're doing, you have to say is a lie in order to protect your lies. So the whole point of censorship is to protect the government lies from the truth. That's the whole point of it, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't care. And then the, the, the enemy of, of the government is truth. That's the big enemy. So what they've done is legalize censorship in order to protect their lies. Well, that's not legal. <laughs> anyway. It's, 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 new victims are, it's new victims are not civilians who engage in political speech, but government censors. Oh, yeah, right. To justify this inversion of civil rights, they have also inverted the concept of censorship so that the true form of free speech is to prevent others from speaking. Well, that's interesting. Like I, remember how I've said many times the Second Amendment is reversed? The reversal of the Second Amendment is where the government gets all the guns they want, can carry them anywhere they want, can own as many guns, carry as many guns with as many bullets as they want, and use them wherever they want. That's, that's, the, that's the Second Amendment reverse, and all the people are disarmed. The Second Amendment says that the people can keep and bear arms. And the government has no right. There's nothing in the Second Amendment that gives the government the right to, to keep and bear arms. It just doesn't. There's no power. In fact, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that government employees, in other words, bureaucrats, uh, can be armed. 
There's no law enforcement provision in the Constitution for the federal government. The only, the only place that's armed, and for obvious reasons, is the military. Well, in the Constitution, that would be the Army and the Navy because they didn't have the airplane yet. But we presume the Air Force and then the Space Force. So the military, being separate from the government bureaucrats, of course can be armed. In fact, they better be. That's their whole point. But there's nothing that says the bureaucrats can be armed or law enforcement. There's, there's nothing that says you can even have federal law enforcement. That's quite fascinating. Anyway, so that's the Second Amendment in reverse. Climate in reverse is where, or, or you know, the science in reverse, is where the government lies about the science uh, because that's what their policy says. Uh, and anybody that, that uh, tells the truth about their lying policies has to be censored for lying, even though they're the ones telling the truth. Everything's backwards. So it says Littman told NPR that the injunction literally prevents the federal government from sending emails to social media companies about their content moderation policies or having meetings with social media companies about taking down speech and posts. Well, of course not. The government isn't, you know, has, cannot take down posts. They cannot ask social media to take down posts. That would be an infringement of free speech. That's against the First Amendment, right? Then it says, and so uh, that prevents speech, really important speech, from ever happening. Yeah, and that's the point. He says the most important speech is government speech that suppresses the speech of the public. If government censorship, if government censorship is speech, then any interference with government censorship is a violation of free speech. So this is really twisted. But I'm still trying to, to wrap my head around it. That the speech to the government, uh, free speech to the government means the ability to censor. So if they can censor you, then that's, that's free speech. But see, the government doesn't have freedoms and the government doesn't have rights. Let me read this again. If government censorship is speech, then any interference with government censorship is a violation of free speech. But see, government censorship is not speech. And government lies are not speech. They're lies. Then the article says, and the government must be allowed to censor everyone, lest its really important speech be restrained from taking place. And then where, where, where would we be? Yeah, except free. Anyway, the article goes on for a while. Uh, I'm not going to read more of it, but uh, it's fascinating. But just think of the entire reversal and how this all works. I, I thought it was great. All right, play something here, and then we're going to get to uh, Laurie Lisa in a little bit here. Uh, let's go to time. Is it now 737? Oh, it's an airplane. <laughs> 737 a.m. Central Standard Time. Let's, uh, where's, my, where's my stuff here? Here we go. Back in a bit. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 
at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. What a great day. All right, let's see if we can... Uh, let's see if we, oh, My button's not pushing. Let's try it again. There it goes. Let's see if we can get some sponsors. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Dangerously cool. This is so much fun. I mean, I've been doing this now, uh, what, six years since uh, 2018? Five years. <laughs> Five and a half years. Anyway, uh, I, I'm so relaxed now uh, doing this. I'm pushing buttons. I'm, uh, you know, pushing buttons with one hand on the mouse and drinking water and, and checking messages and, you know, listening to what's going on and pushing more buttons. And it's really kind of fun. Uh, it's so like, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess the, the character of the penguin comes to mind when he's like pushing all those things and you know running Gotham City. But it's sort of or any, any like mad scientist, you know, behind the behind the, you know, or the the family opera. Hmm, wonderful time here pushing the buttons. Anyway, so I'm pushing buttons and, and talking and and then doing it all. It's like a, one hand on the keyboard, another hand on the mouse. You know, I'm talking. Uh, hopefully, my brain doesn't completely disengage and I do something really stupid. <laughs> Haven't yet, but the day is young, so. We'll see what happens. All right, so one of the stories that, that uh, appeared once and then completely disappeared uh, for some reason, uh, probably part of that, that political oppression we keep talking about, uh, appeared in The Hill. And this was Andrew Hale um, from July 4th, this July 4th, you know, 2023. So July 4th, 2023, Andrew Hale, now the opinion contributor of The Hill, said China is in default on a trillion dollars in debt to U.S. bondholders. Will the U.S. force repayment? Now, in this time... The government needs me. 
in this time of incredibly, incredibly high national debt, in this time where everybody is scrambling and they're worried about inflation, which comes from borrowing money and, uh, and everything that's going on, uh, the next budget crunch is coming. The debt ceiling has to go up, they say, and we've already proven that lie. Um, so if everything we do here, you know, the government would want to censor us for <laughs> the whole point of this show. This show is like a walking, you know, censorship red flag to the government. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. So where's the story? So how can we have a story July 4th that China owns us, owes us a trillion dollars, and we haven't, where's the follow-up? Even on the conservative stations, nobody's talking about this. trillion dollars is a thing to sneeze at. I bet you Donald Trump knows it's there, but she gets a, claims it again. But listen, she's in default on a trillion dollars in U.S. debt. Well, how is it that China is borrowing our debt, and we're paying them back, and um, China borrows from us, and, and they don't pay us back? How is that possible? That we loan money to China, uh, and we have to pay them back, and then uh, and they don't uh, and they borrow from us, and we don't pay, and they don't pay us back. Something's really strange here. Let's see what Andrew Hale says. He says every country should pay its sovereign debt. That, that's its national debt, right? Default, we are told, is not an option. But has anyone told China? The United States pays interest on approximately eight hundred fifty billion dollars in debt held by the People's Republic of China. In other words, the Chinese Communist Party, right? China, however, is currently in default on its sovereign debt held by American bondholders. See, the, the occupation government cares more about uh, China, who pays them directly, uh, and Ukraine and their donors and their industrial complex than they care about Americans. Even Americans are rich enough to have a bunch of treasury bonds that China borrowed money from. So we floated money, gave it to China. I'm not sure how this works anyway. But it says the United States pays interest on $850 billion in debt. That's less than a trillion, folks, you know, by like $150 billion. And so we pay interest on $850 billion, but they owe us a trillion, and they don't pay interest on that. Well, shouldn't we cancel our interest to them and say, look, we're not going to pay uh, uh, interest on, on, on your stuff until you pay what you owe on our stuff? That makes sense, right? In fact, we can actually use them to cancel out. We shouldn't pay any interest on the money that uh, we owe them. Um, because even if it, it, we still come out $150 billion ahead every year, or however long, whatever the term is. So we should never pay interest on the Chinese debt because they, they owe more money to us than we owe to them. So, so they should be always paying us, right? Well, what they could do is cancel out and just pay the, the difference, uh, the interest on the $150 billion debt. Maybe that would work out. But anyway, they're not even doing that. Anyway, so it says the debt held by the, people, the, 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 the CCP. <laughs> then it says China, however, is currently in default on its sovereign debt held by American bondholders. Successive U.S. administrations have chosen to sidestep this fact, allowing business and trade with China to proceed as normal. Well, that's a mistake. Now that the relationship with China has soured and the People's Republic of China, in other words, the CCP, has become the greatest adversarial threat to the U.S. and Western security, policymakers should revisit this appalling failure of justice. Now, actually, it's a failure of debt collection. It's not a failure of justice. It's, a, it's not so much a legal matter as a financial matter. Um, but we should be cutting off all trade and doing what we can to make them pay their bill, right? Uh, then it says, some history is in order. Before 1949, the government of the Republic of China, in other words, Chiang Kai-shek's Taiwan government, uh, issued a large volume of long-term sovereign gold-denominated bonds secured by Chinese tax revenues to private investors and governments for the construction of infrastructure and financing of government activities. Put simply, the China we know today would not have been possible without these bond offerings. Yeah, bonds aren't a bad thing. You issue a bond. The government raises money from that bond, and they build something really useful. Um, bonds were used. Actually, they were private bonds for the Golden Gate Bridge. I think it was uh, government bonds for the Oakland Bay Bridge. 
pretty good structures. They're still here, right? Good use of taxpayer money. Good use of bond money. You raise the bonds. You know, of course, when you raise a bond, you have to pay back the, the principal and the interest. When you just spend tax money, you don't, there's nothing to pay. You know, you just, you just pay tax money out of revenue. So that's different. But if you don't have the revenue, then you've got to float a bond, raise the money, and then pay it back over time. That's the whole point of a bond. But you've got to pay interest. You've got to pay more than the money you borrowed by the, whatever the percent the bond is. Anyway, this is during, in 1938, during its conflict with Japan, the ROC, that's the Republic of China, defaulted on its sovereign debt. After the military victory of the communists, the ROC government fled to Taiwan. The People's Republic of China was eventually recognized internationally as the successor government of China. That's how communists at work. Under well-established international law, the successor government doctrine holds that the current government of China, led by Chinese Communist Party, uh, led by the Communist, Chinese Communist Party, is responsible for repayment of the defaulted bonds. Of course, again, the benefit of the infrastructure paid for by the bonds of Taiwan in China, <laughs> you know, but uh, they're, not, they're not repaying the loans because they're, they're communists. Why would they care? They don't even believe in a market economy. They believe in extortion and them. Anyway, it says a private group of American citizens holds a large quantity of these gold-denominated bonds. This citizen-led group, the American Bondholders Foundation, the ABF, serves as a trustee with the power of attorney for some 20,000 bondholders whose bonds are valued at well more than $1 trillion. Let me see. If, if uh, 20,000 people um, by a trillion dollars, that's a lot of money. So if 20,000 people holds a million dollars, that would be 2% or 20%. 20,000. No, 200,000 would be 20%. So that would be 2%. Uh, 20,000 would be 2%, 10,000 would be 1% of a million. All right, so it's 2%. <laughs> so uh, how much would that be? Uh, so it would be 20% of 200,000. Uh, how much? Oh, geez. And, it, and I'm trying to figure out how much each bondholder is owed. <laughs> it's got to be multiple billions, right? Because it takes 1,000 billions to make a trillion. 1,000, so it's going to be, be 20%. Of a trillion, I guess they're, you know, anyway, <laughs> 200, 200 billion each <laughs> or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Anyway, says then UK Prime Minister, someone who knows math, help me out here. He says then UK Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, Thatcher's tough regulation, negotiation stance on the return of Hong Kong to China led to a British settlement agreement on these same Chinese bonds in 1987. Thatcher said that for China to have access to UK capital markets, it had to honor the defaulted Chinese sovereign debt held by the British subjects. Faced with that stark choice, China agreed. So, so they had leverage over them, right? Unfortunately, the U.S. failed to make such a common-sense stance. To this day, China has had access to U.S. capital markets while openly rejecting its sovereign debt obligations to American bondholders. We pay them. They don't pay us. <laughs> Remember that line? Who is it? Um, uh, Al Pacino in, uh, in the movie Heat, one of my favorites, with Robert De Niro playing the criminal, Al Pacino playing the cop. And Al Pacino is talking to this thug informant. I do for you. You don't do for me. But I do for you. <laughs> and this is exactly what's going on. So, so we do for China. China doesn't do for us. So that's what's happening. All right. He says, lest anyone wonder about the age of these bonds, it is irrelevant. What matters is that the sovereign, that it is a sovereign, and there is a national obligation. As recently as 2010, the German government made its last payment for reparations from World War I. Think about that. As recently as, they don't talk about this, right? As recently as 2010, the German government made its last payment for reparations from World War I. So Germany's finally out of its World War I debt in 2010. In 2015, Great Britain made payments on bonds 
issuances that dated from the 18th century. That would be the 1700s, folks. Did the British government owe us money from King George III? Oh, that's interesting. So the debt never goes away. All right? This is the thing about debt. This is, that's why a mortgage is, is, a, is, is a death contract, mort gauge, mort, which means death gauge. I guess that means contract. Mortgages never go away. They've got to be repaid. Oh, the bank takes your property, right? Mortgage, death contract. Anyway, it says the, uh, the Biden administration, which I don't say, the Brandon insurrection, illegal Brandon, any number of things. But Biden administration, no. Nah. No, nah, there's no such thing. And, and the U.S. Congress have a unique opportunity to enforce the well-established international rule that governments must honor their debts. <laughs> Isn't that what I say about us? We have to live up to our obligations. Well, apparently they're not making China live up to theirs. It says, like the U.K. did in 1987, the U.S. must view the repayment of China's sovereign debt as essential to its national security interests. I'm just Trump didn't do it the first term. You know, I never heard about it. Or maybe they just, they just didn't tell us. Uh, he might have said something, but, uh, and they might have done it behind the scenes. Anyway, in doing so, the article says the U.S. government should undertake one or both of two actions uh, currently being discussed by members of Congress. Should be interesting. All right. Uh, where to go now? I've got, uh, I've got so many interesting articles here. Yeah, let's, let's go with that one. I'm going to play a couple more things here. Time is 7.53. 7.53. Play a couple more little goodies, and then we'll get, uh, we got Lori Lisa coming up at the top of the hour. So almost done here. Let's, uh, where's, my, where's my stuff I need to play? See, I'm getting all the stuff I need to play out because I'm not going to be playing commercials probably for the rest of the show. So this should work out uh, rather well. Let's, let's play, where is it? Let's take uh, Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care. Better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. 
Uh, got caught with a last-minute message from uh, CJ, who's going to be with us in the, the second hour. So let me play you one more thing. And then back to uh, – and then, of course, uh, uh, Laurie Lee will be with us in just a little bit. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. So another story that seems to have escaped everybody's notice, uh, this is from Climate Depot, this is Mark Moreno. Climate lockdowns, new CO2 monitoring credit card enables tracking of carbon footprint on every purchase, monitors and cuts off spending when we hit our carbon max, MasterCard and UN join forces. So basically what they're going to do is uh, they used to have a remember the uh, the carbon tax and the BTU, they're going to give you so many British thermal units and you had to pay a tax on your carbon usage, right? Uh, and your carbon footprint. And now what they're saying is because of the, I guess, the advancements in AI and other things like that, they don't have to worry about it. They, the credit card companies are all kicking in. I mean, they're all part of the, the woke leftist Marxist agenda, and they will monitor you. And that was one of the things that came up yesterday is that the Bank of America handed over all the credit card information, including a lifetime of firearms purchase information, uh, over to the FBI for anybody that was in town on January 6th. Well, they can't do that. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's a breach of, of confidential information, customer information. They can't just hand that over to the government without a subpoena, without a search warrant, but they did. You know, so once you've done it, what do you do? It's like you can, you can punish somebody for murder, but you can't bring the person back. You know, you, you can't change the event once it's gone. Um, but since I'm so open about stuff here, I really don't worry about it anymore. Once you get over privacy, you know, your life gets easy. So this is kind of small print. Uh, I'm trying to find a date on it. I don't. Oh, here we go. September 13th, 2021. This is actually a couple of years old, but I found it interesting that we're still not talking about it. And it's probably even worse now. He says the World Economic Forum praised do do economy. I don't know what a do economy is. It says while many of us are aware that we need to reduce our carbon footprint, advice on doing uh, so it can seem nebulous and keeping the tab is difficult and keeping oh, a tab is difficult. Do monitors, I guess, the, I'm not sure what, the, what a do monitor is. This is kind of new uh, and cuts off spending when we hit our carbon max. So it was for our own good. The government will regulate how much, uh, how much carbon you can actually put into the environment, even though it's good for the environment. Right. Uh, same thing, electricity. This is the reason that the government wants everybody on electricity is because the smart meters can regulate your electricity. They can tell you how much you get, you know, especially with your car, you know, in California, they, they have rolling blackouts and they say, well, you've got electric cars, but you can't use them. And, uh, you know, that, that's why, you know, it, they don't let you charge it. You can't go that far on these things anyway, but it's fascinating. So the gas car, you can go as far as you want. You drive it until the tank is dry or near dry and then you fill it up. And what's interesting, unlike a car, which gradually loses power, the battery loses power, gets progressively less powerful. The gasoline, you know, in the last cup 
is just as powerful as gasoline in the first cup. So gasoline doesn't lose its power. That, that You can be running practical and empty, and you still have every bit as much power as you have when the tank was full. Probably more because you're lighter. Anyway, but this is just fascinating. Uh, it says the, the Climate Depot's Mark Moreno says this CO2 monitoring credit card will begin as a voluntary measure with no mandate. Yeah, it always starts that way. But how long until this the CO2 card will be mandated by big corporations in collusion with government? By the way, the big corporations in collusion with government, that's called fascism, in case anybody missed that. He says, given how the climate activists are spying the COVID lockdowns, uh, or, aping, or aping, excuse me, aping, I think this sits by, aping the COVID lockdowns, expect this credit card to be mandatory under a climate emergency. See, that's the other thing about COVID. The, the thing about COVID was so many uh, things came in under it. Vaccine passports, mandates, masks, social distance, lockdowns of, of companies and schools, and uh, all these different monitoring systems. You know, and this is why COVID, what happened, what the government did with COVID, or what the government did during that time had really nothing to do with the virus because the virus was gone uh, pretty much in July of uh, 2020, so a few months after it showed up. So it showed up in January 2020 pretty much and was gone by July, so six months. COVID was there for about six months. Uh, worst days, uh, April 15th was the worst. And after that, the death rate progressively lowered. But I just find this fascinating. He says, get ready for a Chinese-style social credit scoring uh, system scoring when it comes to your personal spending habits and how they impact, quote, climate change. A new credit card called Economy, oh, that's where it comes from, has launched that is working in tight collaboration with MasterCard and has an alliance, uh, an alliance with the UN Framework uh, Convention on Climate Change, UNFCCC, is now available so you can monitor your personal CO2 budget uh, on every purchase you make. What, does that include steak? <laughs> does that include, I don't know, paint? What does it include, gasoline? You know, what is it, uh, travel? I mean, how much, uh, how much carbon do you get? This is all quite fascinating to me. Anyway, uh, the credit cards feature the slogan uh, on them reading, do everyday climate action, and have a personal pledge on the, re- the rear of the card boasting, I am taking responsibility for every transaction I make to help protect the planet. That's a bunch of BS. <laughs> so once again, this is a lie. This whole system is a lie. This is built on a lie. Everything about it is a lie. You know, the environment is doing just fine. Thank you very much. And we need more carbon in the air. Uh, and so the burning of organic fuels is, is the right way to go. So buy V8 and, and uh, save the planet. And that's what it should say. Buy V8, save the planet. That's what you're doing. But these people are telling you just the opposite. So again, censorship is the suppression of truth, not lies. <sighs> what else do I want to do? Like I say, I'm expecting a guest right now. So what I might do is see if I can find my guest and say, hey, where are you? It's time to call in. So we shall check it out. So let me do that, please. Okay. Send my, my, my guest. Uh, waiting for you now. You know. Coffee's ready to go. I'll send that to her, and let's get uh, let's get this going here. Hey, I've talked enough. I'm tired of talking, so we shall see. Okay, <laughs> maybe it's an hour earlier. Hopefully, it's uh, she's getting ready for this. Let me see. Do I do another story I want to broadcast to you? Uh, let's talk a little bit about this one too. Again, uh, there's not a lot happening in action radio. I'm still waiting for for all the, the wondrous things that I'm trying to get accomplished, the, the, the new guests, 
uh, being on other people's shows, getting a legislation out there, connecting with the Trump campaign, the Robert Francis Kennedy campaign, all the things that are going on right now. I'm trying to uh, um, get that going behind the scenes after the show. So that's why I don't have a whole lot of news for you right now. I mean, I wish I did. And that's why I don't. So that's why I'm kind of going over articles. The bills, I haven't had really a chance to write a new one. Uh, the next new one, let me see what's uh, – I'm trying to think what's next on my list for bills to write because there are so many. But um, nothing comes to mind. I'm kind of drawing a blank. Like I say, I was prepping for my guests so much. I've got so many quotes from my guests that uh, so I say I'm hoping she'll get here soon so we can, uh, we can get, to, get to chatting. Uh, which should be fun. All right, so let's see. Uh, here's something interesting that uh, Brianna was working on, mosquitoes, vaccines, and Bill Gates. So mosquitoes are like the natural disease transmitter. Uh, so they figure, I guess these wackos figure they can use mosquitoes to uh, transmit um, you know, vaccine material as well, which to me is really strange. So this is from Tom Renz, who's a fabulous lawyer, R-E-N-Z, July 1st, 2023, so just uh, like a week or so ago. He says, let me begin this article with an AP fact check. According to AP, uh, a Bill Gates-tied mosquito uh, project is not responsible for recent U.S. malaria cases. So not Bill Gates, malaria mosquitoes. They didn't do it. <laughs> right. It doesn't want to just eat bugs either, right? He says, the cases of malaria that have recently popped up in the United States were not related to Bill Gates. His funding of mosquito research related disease prevention, uh, da, 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 da. or Oxitex, another gate-sponsored company, release of genetically modified mosquitoes for the past several years in Florida where the outbreaks occurred. <laughs> the AP has noted that the Gates Foundation does, not, does fund malaria work and GMO mosquitoes, but states its funding of, for Oxitex genetically altered mosquitoes that are being released in Florida you know, where the mosquitoes are, you know, where those mosquitoes are released, does not include any modifications related to malaria, and so they could not be the same. <laughs> really? Is the AP really did its homework here and also requested comment from Oxitec and noted that it said it was scientifically impossible that they had anything to do with this coincidence. Some coincidence, right? Gates is doing all kinds of stuff with malaria mosquitoes. He's got a company, Oxitec, that's doing all kinds of things, genetically modifying mosquitoes. Malaria turns up in Florida where they've released all these mosquitoes, and it, they're not connected. <laughs> that's just funny. He says, apparently, this is from the article, apparently the gene editing in Oxitec mosquitoes that Gates has nothing to do with is about fighting dengue fever and Zika virus. Well, those are problems. Dengue fever was, fever was the, one of the big problems in uh, the Panama Canal. Uh, Zika is a virus that's affecting Floridians right now. Uh, and they also only release male genetically altered mosquitoes. So clearly none of this could have anything to do with the mosquitoes being worked on elsewhere that, vaccine, that vaccinate against malaria. Though these, these mosquitoes do exist, as you can see in the story from NPR. And then they give you a link to the NPR story. Is just in case anyone has any further doubts, the AP talked to an entomologist at the Florida Medical Entomology Laboratory at the University of Florida. And he said that the Oxitec mosquitoes have nothing at all to do with malaria, and it's absurd to claim otherwise. That's like saying the vaccines are safe and effective. That's like saying uh, the virus uh, came from a pangolin rather than the Wuhan lab, rather than gain-of-function, rather than Ralph Barrick and the University of North Carolina, rather than uh, DARPA, the defense uh, uh, agency, um, you know, stuff they were doing. No, it didn't happen. That's not how it happened. No, that only makes sense. We have to believe something that doesn't make sense, right? He says, now that you are all aware that it's obvious that Bill Gates and his support for genetically altered mosquitoes to, quote, fight disease and the malaria vaccine mosquitoes, I want to share a few important points. First, did you know that, quote, they have developed a mechanism to vaccinate people through mosquitoes? As noted in the above, mosquitoes that act as flying syringes for malaria vaccines are a real thing. 
I have no evidence that they have been released anywhere, but you do not uh, spend money to develop a product like this if you do not plan to use it. Yeah, that's very true. That le- the, the, the denials are suspicious. Why would they deny something so much? You know, if they didn't plan to use it. Of course they plan to use it. But they just don't want you to know they're planning to use it. Like you're not supposed to know it exists, right? Then it says that leads to the question, how does Bill Gates plan to get informed consent from people potentially vaccinated by flying syringes? Will the mosquitoes carry legal documents with them with side effects, uh, a side effects list and a spot to sign before they bite you? Or perhaps he simply does not care about informed consent. Who knows? I think he doesn't care about informed consent. That's what I, the problem is. Oh, I've got a lot of uh, letters here. Do, 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 do. Oh, that's interesting. Do, 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 do. All right, so let me um, let me try something here. Yeah, so so, so uh, Lori Lisa is having a little trouble getting through. So what I have to do is do something I haven't done. This is why I need a producer. So, so I don't have to do this stuff on my own. So I'm going to have to play something for you here that'll take a little while just to make sure I can do what I need to do. So let me see if I can do it. Quickly, um, and where so let me get my uh, let me get my my, uh, my my quick music selection here for when uh, stuff happens. <laughs> Here's my when stuff happens. I'll be right back in a minute. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> We've uh, been trying to uh, get through. Apparently, I can't get through. Uh, it's a Canadian number, and it's, it's giving us some problems. So what I'm going to do is... Uh, 
All right, so that's not working. Uh, I mean, I'm just I'm just going to talk as I'm as I'm sending emails here. Uh, that didn't work. See if I can send her. I need to copy. All right, so, so here's what we do in a situation like this. I'm going to try and copy email and send her a direct uh, connecting thing. Now let's try this. And let's try this. I know I'm live on the air. Um, so let me do another message here. This is, this is a little administrative stuff. Again, when I get a producer, I won't have to worry about this kind of stuff because I'll have someone to help me out. That is not the case at this particular time. So just bear with me. We're trying to get our guests from Canada here. Uh, so I'm going to put Sent Direct Connect. can use a headset and mic. We can get you on. <laughs> no, let me, let me go over some of the stuff here. I was not planning to have this gap, but that's okay. Gaps happen. So a little bit of time. We've got CZ joining us at the top of the hour. Um, I'll have to, uh, next time I get calls from out of the country, I'll have to. Uh, the other one is... The Skype line. Let me see if I can get her on the Skype line. Where's my broadcast page? Bum, 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 bum. Isn't this fun? I'm sorry. I really apologize for this. Uh, yeah, and there we go. Let's say, use the online Skype line. Use the online. The Skype line. Another way to get it through. Again, I don't have to worry about this. Oh, I think I've got somebody. Oh, let's see if this works. Ah, let's try it out. Hang on. Let's see if I make this line live. Would this be Lawyer Lisa? Did it work? Yeah, it's you. Hello. Hello, hello. Well, I got her here. She's not talking. Okay, now I've got to send her another email. <laughs> You are connected. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, let's go. So you are connected. Let's see if she'll so we can get through this. See the crazy things we go through every once in a while? Lisa, say something. Hello, you're there. <laughs> Talk to me. You're live. Right, let me play one more thing here and see if I can. Uh... I'll be right back. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. All right, so I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, <laughs> I can't seem to get through. Her line's live. You know, I've got her. I've got her live. I've got her. You know, everything seems to be working, but she's just not talking. So I'm not sure what the connection is. Turn something on or or do something. Uh, there we go. So anyway, I'm trying. Hopefully, I'm not pushing the wrong button at the same time. Lisa, I got you live. So if you can just uh, just join us anytime here now. Uh, hopefully, she's listening. 
um, in the article. So I got a little bit of time here. I wonder if I should uh, play one of my interviews and see. Uh, we're obviously going to have to reschedule her for another time because we've, we've lost too much time. Let me tell you some of the stuff she's done because it is, is pretty incredible. Uh, okay, so she dropped the call. All right, so now we're now th- this is like you know uh, this is the time in radio when you know things don't work out exactly as we have planned. So I've got to, I can play another interview or I can uh, I don't like I've got so many articles. I don't just go for articles. Nobody's calling me. I don't have Bianchi to talk to. Marco's not sending me messages. It's kind of quiet out there. So what can I do? What can I play for you that might be might be interesting? I'm just going through my mini list of interviews here. Play the Benghazi one. I played that one. This one might be fun. This is actually one that I did um, November 16th of 2017 with uh, Carrie Lightfoot. And Carrie was is, is is one of the first you know, women in guns persons. So let me play that for you now. we got CJ at the top of the hour. And I'll see if I can talk to uh, – oh, wait a minute. No, I think oh, – wait a minute. I think we might have her. I almost played another interview. Lisa, is that you? Oh my goodness, how are you? I'm fine. Right? What did you what, what did you have to do to, to go through the which, what finally worked? Was it the direct connect or, or what? The direct connect finally worked. Uh, so I'm really grateful for all of your patience uh, on, on, and uh, glad to be here finally. Well, good. Well, let's guess what we can do next time. <laughs> We're going to use direct connect. <laughs> okay, I don't know why we didn't good. think of that. Well, I didn't know that uh, Canada was well, now. I was born in Toronto, uh, and I'm guessing you're somewhere near there, or, or whereabouts are you right now? Yeah, I'm just out of Toronto. It's Mississauga. It's a it's a glorified suburb of of Toronto. So oh, I know where it is. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my, where uncle, I'm at. my uncle lived there for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still yeah. too cold. I don't know what you're doing up there. Yeah, I hear that Canadian accent. It's great. We're like talking to my my family again in Canada. This is wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, there's even micro accents. When I go up north where I'm from, I come back speaking entirely different for about three weeks. Really? Uh, you yeah. pick them up fast? Yeah, I pick it up fast. That's yeah. fascinating. I guess you can't, you can't get the north out of the uh, – you can take the girl out of the north, but you can't take the north out of the girl. North out of the girl, exactly. Yeah. Well, let me get to our, our traditional uh, action radio uh, welcome here. Uh, as I announce our guest, let me see if I can find it right here. I'm scroll. I'm still a little going a little crazy from all the stuff we had to do to get this going. I'm trying to get a producer, yeah. so I don't have to have these problems, you know, again. But uh, still working on that. So let me introduce you properly as our guest of the day. Yeah. Lawyer Lisa. <laughs> so. Lisa and I met somewhere on Substack reading each other's articles and commenting on each other's posts. Uh, people recognized our comments and they kind of started commenting on them too. So we, we sort of, that's how we kind of met and got going here. So anyway, I was curious about her, about all the things she's working on, that she's a lawyer, that she's a writer, she's an advocate, and as I call her, her you know, a, a, uh, a liberty warrior uh, like the rest of us. So that's why I wanted her on the show, to find out all the stuff that she does. And then, of course, I saw this video the, the other day, too. So I have overprepared. I've got enough for about five shows with you, with all the material oh, yeah. I've got from, from you different articles. So let's just hear your story. Yeah. Tell me about uh, to how you got from, uh, you know, mild-mannered, regular, you know, calm, cool Canadian, you know, not raising too much fuss, to this shading, liberty, freedom-loving warrior that you are now. Uh, so I guess the, the mandates in Canada were really really restrictive and and I don't know how much your audience knows about that but um they were really excessive I have four young kids and it would be congratulations (laughs) thank you uh you know the we would get that call from the school you know somebody related to somebody knows somebody who tested positive come get your kids (gasps) oh no and then you'd be out 
and locked out. It was like this, uh, right. you know, and I just kept thinking, you know, what crime have I committed? Um, so there was that. And then, um, you know, I started seeing how irregular the logic was in mm-hmm. terms of how it was applied. Right. And so mm-hmm. uh, one of my first videos on YouTube was something called hate by number and how we were creating a new class of untouchables. And it just rankled me, right? Because this, this is not what uh, life should be like in a free and democratic society. And so there's mm-hmm. the idea that you, you were an untouchable because of a statistical number. And every day, I don't know if it was like that for you guys in the U.S., there was this, you know, ICU bed capacity review. And so I started to break down the numbers. And let's say you had, you know, uh, 2 million or so in the province of Ontario on vaccinated individuals. And mm-hmm. there were, you know, X number, I think we would get, you know, upset at, at the 300 bed capacity, uh, ICU bed capacity. And so, right. you know, then I would say, well, you're 100% discriminating against the unvaccinated individual, 100% taking away their rights, but their actual probability of taking up a bed in the ICU is 0.0006, whatever the number was on the given day. <laughs> yeah, so if I stopped you, you know, as a police officer, and I stopped you for your probability of speeding, and I gave you a ticket on your probability of speeding, and your probability was less than 1% by significant factor, how would that be right, right? So just logically, right? I, I just looked at the, the numbers that they were running through. So you 100% lose your job. Mm-hmm. You 100% can't go in the store. You 100%, you know, are treated like an untouchable. But you only have a 0.0006% chance of using that ICU bed capacity. And I thought, this whole nation's gone crazy. This whole nation's gone crazy. And for me, I had people who were on the ground in Ottawa at that trucker protest, right? So I knew, I have Ottawa friends. I knew what was on the ground. And I was seeing the videos that were being posted through through Facebook. and, And they changed. They were so different from how mainstream media was covering it. And... And so then I, I had to come I'm used to, to that. Her. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, but so yeah. up until that point, you know, I, I have a career. I have four young kids. I'm, you know, supporting my family with my husband. And we're, you know, we're in this family mode. And so who has time to be a conspiracy theorist? But then all of a sudden I was. And it, it, was, it was dark for a while for me because you have to come to terms like everybody else that, um, you know, your government isn't being benevolent, right? Your government doesn't have your best interest. And so I really started to dig and scratch the surface over that period. And then I ended up with also simultaneously a bad ski accident and it kind of leveled oh, me sorry. a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so but then I had to think. Right. You got yeah. time to think and work. I had yeah, extra okay. time. I had extra time. Huh. So sorry, that, that was my segue and entry into it. And then I had a little bit of an advantage over a lot of people. I have sued the government in Canada a couple of times. So a few oh, times. Oh, that's interesting. And, and so the over first what? one, the first yeah, one was the first, 
Yeah, the first SARS case. So it, that wasn't very big, SARS-CoV-1. Uh, right. That wasn't very big in the U.S., but in Canada it was very big. And I represented the, the first nurse who died of SARS. And um, so got a lot of press on that case and, you know, got to know certain workings. Um, and so I had a particular interest in the pandemic because of that and a particular, you know, ability to maneuver it. I have a science degree, um, you know, so okay, it can't go into that because I'm sealed by confidentiality. Um, and then the other one that which is really interesting is I had uh, a lawsuit with the government on the Grandview case. And in Canada, the Grandview case was a, a residential school case. And your, um, your listeners might not know that in Canada right now, the residential schools um, case out of the BC area, they, they found, or it's alleged that they found, because I don't think they've ever dug up any bodies or done anything uh, with it, that there are, are bodies uh, buried, their children and um, Native children who were in the residential school system way back when. And uh, like every I heard about tragedy, this. Yeah, yeah, like every tragedy, it's being exploited for, uh, so, uh, you know, Singh, who is uh, part of the governing body of, of, uh, of Canadians right now, MPs, he's, he's buttressing the Canadian government uh, that only got elected with 32% of the popular vote, but he's buttressing them. And uh, on Canada day, he says, well, you know, we're a genocidal country. And, and so the idea is an attack on the nation state itself. And you're seeing that obviously in the U S but you want to take down your history. You want to put shame uh, across, you know, the nation state so that you reject that and you're open to other solutions, the globalists technocrats just walk in like a waltz you know let me take your dance card um so what was interesting for me is that there is a parallel so the grandview case in in ontario was a a case where it was uh basically truant girls who were put in the system and um my plaintiff is now since since dead and the case has been resolved but the allegations are all over the internet. There's many, many sites. And it was, again, a, a situation where there was power mm-hmm. and the girls were raped um, mm-hmm. by the male guards. So, um, you know, there's, there was uh, all kinds of settlements that came out of that, official apologies. And some of the plaintiffs had said, you know, there were bodies buried. So, you know, for me, that's a parallel. Okay, so we have a residential school case uh, with the, the natives, and it's used, being used to dismantle the nation state. But when power was vested in the government used against, you know, truant girls in the, in the 60s and 70s, it wasn't used to dismantle the government. So what's different? You know, what's different about that is how it's being exploited by the media and the, the talking points. So all over this whole uh, area, I've been doing research and, and, and digging in and writing. And um, I am writing a book, and I, I, I'll let you know when it's done because I would love it. It's more of an international flavor, so it'll, it definitely addresses the nation state. Um, we're, and, we're an international show. 
you know, we have listeners yeah. in Cuba, Vietnam, you know, um, Argentina. I mean, we're Iceland. <laughs> we're all over the place. Uh, so, so it's, it's called it's, people. It's called people as data, hmm. and it's okay. breaking down the individual to its data points and how then power comes out of people as data. So that's just a teaser. And when it's ready, Greg, let's talk about that show too. Well, oh, I'm I'm already thinking I'm hoping to get you on regularly. So uh, you know, so because first of all, I'd like to know what's going on in Canada, uh, being. Canadian, uh, now naturalized American, but sim- secondly, because you do really cool stuff. You got a science background, a legal background. I, I could just spend the rest of this half hour just on on your background because <laughs> I've been there's a lot of stories there. Um, we can get to some issues, but again, I'm not worried about what we cover this time because if you've got the time, then uh, there's just a whole bunch of things that we can explore, uh, including our legislation here and whether that's something that you can take back to Canada uh, uh, and uh, maybe get into Parliament. So there's some some really interesting implications in us talking. That's what I'm excited about. Absolutely. Anyway. uh, Did you like the show or did you get a chance to look at the show that I did uh, in Canada? And we could probably send that as a link so people can dive into it in terms of the the global covenant of mayors and the C40 cities. Well, it, it got a little technical for me after a while. And I, and I had, a, had a show to do the next time, so I got the, like the first half hour of it. Um, and then it came on a little bit later than I expected. So I got a good portion of it, but there's still more to go. But just, let's get the basic concept out of what's happening in the cities. And we've, we've, uh, we've got one of our reporters. Our, we have a teenage reporter who's just an absolute genius, uh, Brianna Cannon, who does government inquiry, who's been covering Agenda 2030, the 15-minute cities, you know, all the, uh, the global government, government stuff you know, for us for the last several months. And so we've got a pretty good uh, amount in it. But uh, this, this city mapping and these this actual breakdowns of how much information they have and how much they're regulating individuals' lives, that would be interesting to go into. So, uh, what's, uh, what, so yeah, what did you sure. find in the mapping? Tell me about that. So all your listeners, especially the idea that they're all around the world right now, they can empower themselves. There's a mm-hmm. site called, called the Global Covenant of org. And within that, you just you just go there. Every city, I think there's close to or just over 12,000 cities across the world are mapped. And with each mapping is the status of where they are in their climate action plans and then what it means for that city. Okay. And then when you look at the Global Covenant Mayors, it works tongue and groove with another site. And that site is called the C40 dot uh, org site and that would basically be the pimped out version of the global covenant of mayors but they're all working in the same direction and right. it's all a totalitarian uh viewpoint of the world and one of the things i want your uh listeners to think about mm-hmm. is the, the principles of auto determination that is you know the idea that we as a collective should have a say uh, how we as a collective govern ourselves, right? And how we as a collective, um, you know, work our work our our nations. And so, yeah, I think we call it self determination here, but it basically amounts to the same thing, right? Right. Uh, you know, when I went to law school, we called it auto determination, self determination. We well, went in law school in Canada. I mean, you know, we got a few. We, people don't realize that Canada English and American English are two different languages. They have no clue. <laughs> They have no clue. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, and, but yeah, and language is really, really important right now. Critical. <laughs> I did it. Yeah, it's great, critical. This is an aside, but I did, uh, well, I think the, this post is coming out. So you're, I'll wait to your uh, uh, viewers or listeners 
go through my sub stack and then maybe they'll get this one next time. But mm-hmm. so you go into um, your cities and, and you have this idea that, well, okay, so I'm in this ward or this is my council member or I vote for this mayor. And mm-hmm. these are, you know, these are the issues and I'm putting forth. But when you have all of your council members and your mayors in all of your cities answering to a global hierarchy, it's no longer self-determination, right? It's no longer auto-determination. You do not have any sense that, hey, those people are working for me. No, they're working for somebody else. Not only are they working for somebody else, but they didn't tell you. They didn't run on that platform. You probably don't know all the intricate, so you got to check it out. you got to, as an individual, check it out. There's a question I have for you that immediately came to mind. First of all, let's get your Substack out there. It's lawyerlisa.substack.com which is pretty similar to mine, gregpenglis.substack.com. So if you just put our names in .substack.com, you're probably going to find us, you know, uh, with our different uh, respective things. But the first thing that jumps out to me as soon as I, I was listening to you and, uh, and listening to you again is the fact that they did mayors. So what they've done is they bypassed the national government. They bypassed the constitutions. They bypassed the, the federal legislatures, you know, the parliament uh, in Canada, the Congress in the United States. They've, they've gone directly to mayors. That's why the lockdowns in the United States, I don't know how, if they did the provincial governors in Canada, but in the United States, all the lockdowns were done through Dr. Fascist. By the way, I have an article, uh, you know, my conservative glossary in, on Substack. I, I've redefined a ton of terms, okay? First term you want to redefine, uh, there's no such thing as a conspiracy theory. We call those ongoing investigations. So that <laughs> I one. love it. Uh, yeah, that, that's yeah. one of the many. Um, my favorite one, of course, is rhino. So you heard the term rhino, Republican in name only? Yes. For our Republicans, okay. we call those transgender Democrats. <laughs> so everything has a, has a word. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry. I just have a little fun with it here. But, but think about that, that uh, the guardians in the United States of our self-determination, you know, is the Bill of Rights. Uh, the Constitution, which restricts the federal government, the states created the federal government and gave them a contract, and that contract is the Constitution. And, th- and that contract says, this is all you can do. You cannot go outside this, so there's going to be severe repercussions. You know, we're going to do stuff to you. And the problem is the states have not lived up to their end of the bargain. They have not enforced the contract. And so the federal government's gone crazy. But part of it is the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, which means no international body has a power over us unless it's done by treaty from the president and ratified by the Senate. That's the only way that any international body can have anything to do with us. It still, it still is ours, and it still comes under the authority of the Constitution and it's the supreme law of the land. But if you go directly to the, governor, the, the governors with our lockdowns and with the mayors, that's local. So in other words, the global government is bypassing all the safeguards of the national government's uh, from the legislature to your prime minister in Canada, president here, and going directly to local government and controlling them from the top, missing that entire middle. That's what I found yeah, so fascinating. It, it, is, it is fascinating. And when you drill down into the C40 city, they have actually, uh, through mm-hmm. ARUP and the University of Leeds uh, and C40, they've created what is the, the blueprint, uh, mm-hmm. blueprint and where we're going. And where we let let me tell you where we're going. We're going to uh, basically a gulag in each mm-hmm. city. Not mm. and I'm not exaggerating. No, at I, all. I don't think you are. Right, just, we're not doing right. hyperbole here. So, yeah. right. So they, when they control the cities, they have uh, an idea that through climate alarmism and and the climate action plans, 
that the the goal is to reduce consumption. Guess what? You're the consumer. Of, of what? you, the consumer. No, what, what, reduce consumption. Yeah, let me oh, finish. I'm, yeah, right. oh, I'm sorry. Let, I get carried okay. away. Okay. Yeah, yeah this is <laughs> a, you know, it means how much clothing you get a year. They have decided by oh. 2030, they've decided that, and they have decided it based on an aggressive target and mm-hmm. an intermediate target, progressive, I think they call it. So, uh, so on the aggressive, on, on, on the intermediate target, you get eight new items of clothing a year your municipal government right your municipal government your mayor is telling you whether you get a pair of mitts a pair of underwear you know uh, a new coat every year you're going to get slacks do we all have uniforms this is Mm -hmm. this is mapped out now they haven't mapped out and it's so pretty and they have all the fancy you know, reasons for it, all the client, all the money it's going to save, everything. Okay, the aggressive target is three new clothing items a year. Now, my 10-year-old boy puts a, you know, a hole in the knee of his jogging pants, you know, once a week, right? So mm-hmm. three, you know, three new clothing items a year. When, when, when we talk about equity, like all of this stuff, all works tongue and groove together. Equity is the concept that we all get the equal result. Well, the equal result is most dramatically uh, envisioned in the C40, the Global Covenant Mayor, and the Climate Action Plans with us as consumers. Okay, mm-hmm. they have decided that all of us in these cities get get as by 2030 a communist allotment of three new items of clothing a year now guess how much food you get and what kind of food are we talking about our bug rations they've decided the amount of calories that you get okay each citizen gets 2500 they're putting noom out of business your government is your What's new noom? Noom is a diet uh, application where they encourage you to lose weight through some kind of, I don't know, you log in, and I have no idea how Noom works, but they advertise a lot, right? So my, I haven't seen it. it must be a if, you, if you don't know, you don't know Noom, okay, well, so anyways, <laughs> it's Weight Watchers. It's Weight Watchers. Okay, your government no, I, I get has, Your government's turned into Weight Watchers, 2,500 calories a day, and they've decided, okay, how much meat rations you get a year okay so Mm -hmm. in in canada or in any any city that is implementing these and and think about it twelve thousand cities what are the chances your city is not on on a climate action plan you got to know that somebody wrote out at one point right Mm -hmm. a plan for how we were going to deal with xyz uh and this in history has got to be one of the worst plans, okay? Zero kilograms of meat a year is the aggressive target. Zero kilograms. Well, I, where's the opposition at this? Where, where are the even our own government? But where are the activist groups saying, you people are full of it. You have no idea what you're talking about. It's a terrible plan. Go pound sand. We don't need you. Just shut up. Go away. I mean, uh, right. where's, the, where's the resistance? Where's the resistance? Because everybody is hearing only the sound bites in mainstream media about, you know, the climate alarmism. If we don't do this, you know, 
um, Chicken Little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, right? Not on this show. But how many people are listening to this show versus how many people are on this show? We're censored. Yeah, we're censored. Of course you are. Hugely. Yeah. Okay, so you post, post my show on your on your Facebook. See what happens, or post yeah, it anywhere. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, podcast is getting around. It's just not getting around fast enough, which is part of the problem. But we're looking at some really big events, hopefully coming up that'll that'll break through it. But that's the problem. But you know, Mike, let me give you a counter argument to this. Uh, the, the, I don't know if you've used this one or not. Uh, I sort of came up with this with our folks here through our, our you know our, our logic and reason filters. I call and then I found out that the, uh, the former head of Greenpeace came up with exactly the same thing, that carbon dioxide is necessary. We need to create more of it. And if you talk to Gregory Wrightstone at the CO2 Coalition, he's a friend of mine. Uh, Mark Moreno, uh, I've had on the show, but not for a while. He runs Climate Depot. Uh, and the, the former head of Greenpeace is an actual scientist. The one thing they say is that, uh, you know, the earth warms up and then we get more carbon dioxide, not the other way around. But there's a carbon cycle. You know, carbon's the building block of life. If you don't put carbon back into the atmosphere for the plants to breathe, the plants start dying. And the critical uh, uh, part per million is 150. Now, your science background, I don't, I don't know how much science you have, but you've probably heard this before. Stop me if, if this is like old information. But 150 parts per million, that's when the plants die. And once they die, the rest of us go with them. We were as low as 180 parts per million at, um, at the start of the Industrial Revolution. So that was as bad as it gets. But what did the Industrial Revolution do? It created the internal combustion engine. First of all, we had steam engines. Then we went to uh, petroleum engines. Well, that put carbon dioxide back in the air. Steam engines burnt burnt wood and coal and whatever else. That released carbon dioxide. So we actually, the Industrial Revolution pretty much saved the planet by putting the carbon dioxide back into the air that the plants could breathe. And now that the world's warmed up a little bit, not much, but, you know, enough that the the desert, the Sahara Desert is greening. Parts of Australia are greening that were never green before. It's working. The Amazon rainforest is doing pretty well. So the polar bears, that's another story. But no one ever argues the opposite, that carbon dioxide is necessary, that we need even more of it. That's how you combat these people. So, well, I have, I have several thoughts. Have you heard that? that? Um, so I have an environmental science degree with a minor in chemistry before so I went to law school. And, okay. um, so no, but I, I think it's great that your listeners hear alternative points of view than what's being covered. In my mm-hmm. view, if, in, if any environmental movement is being utilized to introduce totalitarian communism, then, right, uh, right it's, so it's the intersection of, Science and law, which I have, up the yin yang, science and law, and uh, one of the so so I'm going to agree with you. But the second thing I'm going to add to that is uh-huh. that you should look up geology, because geology. Well, let's just think of, for your listeners. We've had what four or five ice ages. Uh-huh. So uh, for you to have several ice ages, you've had to have uh, the periods between the ice ages, which are the warming periods. Right, so mm-hmm. I, you know, we we are in a warming period. The mm-hmm. uh, Earth is not covered in ice, and so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So we're in a warming period, and um, the geologists have a specific reason for us to think about ice ages in terms of where they're coming from, and they talk about the orbital axis of. Uh, the Earth and the orbital axis of the Earth axis of the Earth will produce ice ages. 
And so it has a significant effect on warming and cooling that is never mentioned. And you simply have to start researching uh, geology and ice age periods. And, and the other thing is the only time period that the climate alarmists want us to look at is between 1880 mm-hmm. and 2023. But if you look at um, a, the period of the Earth over millions and millions of years, you are going to see uh, warming periods that were very much more significant than where we're at now, very much more, and cooling periods very much more significant than where we're at now. And um, what you notice is that Harari, the WEF, et al., weren't there with apps to control those periods of time, right? Mm -hmm. Those periods of time were independent of our Industrial Revolution. There were hotter periods than now, and it had nothing to do with us as humans. So um, there is all kinds of uh, science out there that isn't what they call the trademark science. And it's not being discussed, and the voices are being silenced. And the reason they're being silenced is because of the goal. Now, the goal is a totalitarian control of, of humans. Uh, again, you know, people as data Uh, were taken down to the micro level, and then Mm -hmm. that is exploited. Um, So, yeah, I I do agree that this this conversation isn't happening. It's not happening enough. I guess it's happening here. It's happening here. Well, it is, and and this is what I find so fascinating. Um, So I always try to get down to the basic motivations. So climate change is, is a means to an end. COVID was a means to an end. It was a means to extract billions of dollars in profits and control mass numbers of people through mass psychosis. Um, climate change is a means to an end. It's basically the same thing, to control million, billions of people you know, through a, a, a fear of mass psychosis that uh, the, the weather's going to change. But ultimately, it comes down to you know, giving up your property to them and you'll be happy. Uh, they must think we're stupid. <laughs> but what is it about these megalomaniacs that they think that they have uh, the, the, the arrogance to think that they have all the answers that we're going to succumb to this and just go, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe you should control my life. What do they, what, what do they hope to accomplish? Because nobody's ever run the world properly. You know, from Genghis Khan, you know, pick, pick, a, pick a dictator, pick a, a conqueror, Alexander the Great. They all lose. Rome fell. I mean, all these people fall eventually. Uh, they never get it right because they can't do what they think they can do. So given the fact that trying to control the world is itself insane, what do these people think they're going to accomplish? I, I, I agree that, you know, we can ask what they're going to accomplish, but I, I have sort of a, the next step, which is what should we be doing about it? And okay. so um, let's go straight to that. Uh, The first thing that you need to be doing is going into that global covenant of mayors and locally, every, you know, locally disrupting your governments. And either they don't know, uh, so there's useful idiots and they're just complying with the next, next thing, right? They're the useful idiots and they're voting in measures that they don't know will become your totalitarian prisons. Um, Or they do and they're, you know, you know, satanic, evil, uh, and I won't say bad words. Uh, beyond that, so so either way, okay, they're satanic evil fucks, and um, okay. so either way, you mm-hmm. they need to be educated, and your fellow citizen at the local level has to be educated as to what the plan is and their gulag plans, 
and how they're doing it. Um, that that's one one area. The second area is more again global. This is global, but it's international. One of the things that you mentioned is that unless a treaty has been adopted and brought uh, in and ratified at your Senate level, that's it's not. Um, it's, yeah, it has no effect. It has no effect. Well, in right. 2005, the IHR amendments were ratified in the U.S., or the IHR regulations were ratified in the U.S. And what you don't understand in there that I don't think people are talking about is that What's it was IHR? Done, um, the International Health Regulations for the WHO. So Heard about when these. The, okay, yeah. so when the pandemic came out, mm-hmm. well, this is an angle that not enough people are talking about, this particular okay. angle that I, so when the when the pandemic rolled out right you had your public health offices telling you okay you know uh, it, these minute things masks on masks off you know vaccines to get here qr codes but but you know it was this constant barrage of mr fauci and whatever else right what you don't understand we call him dr fascist it seems more fascist. appropriate yeah, yeah, well, let's call him, yeah. take out the doctor because he doesn't okay. use medical science, Mr. Fascist. He doesn't okay. use medical science for anybody's benefit except for, you know, who his, who he answers to. And uh, so anyway, so WHO, IHR regulations were ratified around the world, I think in 186 countries. Yeah, but they're not, they're, they weren't a treaty here. They don't apply to the United States. They uh, were, uh, you the know, government in 2005, the 2005 yeah, they, they were. In 2005, No, I hear you, but what I'm saying is that we can resist that, that we don't have to comply with that, that well, it wasn't officially done by, by a president making a treaty and putting it through the Senate. So it is not it something that we are subject to. It, it, it's, the new ones haven't been, but the 2005 right. ones were. What was the treaty? And what, um, I'll have to look it up. I don't know the name in the U.S., but... Your IHR regulations were adopted and ratified as a treaty. And so what's dangerous about the new amendment is that they're saying, well, it's already been ratified as a treaty in 2005. So Uh these are amendments. So do the amendments have to be ratified? Now, that's a question of law. And there's the idea of de facto and de jure. And de jure is what what you you know, think is required in order to reach a, a legal conclusion. And de facto is what actually happens. So, you know, that you think that if, the, if they're tyrants to begin with, they're going to use de facto over de jure. But back in 2005, this is the crux of my argument. Back in 2005, do you know that it required satellite offices of the WHO to be set up in every country? Then the satellite offices of the WHO were set up in every state. Then the satellite offices of the WHO were set up in every municipality. And the satellite offices of these WHO, you know what they are? Public health offices? Your public health offices. So many people believe that their public health is Public Health Canada. It's public health, you know, uh, whatever it's called in the the U.S. But those are the satellite offices of the WHO. And that means those people are not taking orders from your federal government, from your right. city government. Just what we're talking about with the mayors. It's the same thing. Right? Yep. They're taking off. They're taking orders. So 
that had that awareness has to. I, it's either Article Forty Two or Thirty Two, and I'll, you know I'll I'll put it in a Substack after this. Mm-hmm. But they set up satellite offices, so those satellite offices are already globalist entities in our in our countries, in our municipalities, in our provinces, in our states. So everywhere there is a public health office, it is likely the satellite office of the WHO. And even if you're paying the salary as a taxpayer, it's marching through a different order. So, you know, there's two areas. The climate plans in each of your cities has to be examined, right, because it's moving towards this totalitarian regime of the control of what you eat and just right. to finish off the control of how much clothes you get, the control of what your housing looks like, right? That is minutely controlled, the control of what your transportation looks like. Do you know in 2030 how many private vehicles they allow? That's in six and a half years. <laughs> in, in these climate action plans per C40, zero private vehicles. Zero. Yep. zero. I believe it. So this is right? uh, There was something <clears throat> similar to this years ago in, uh, when I was in California, uh, Santa Rosa County, uh, or the city of Santa Rosa, Sonoma County. Now I'm in Santa Rosa yeah. County, Florida. Uh, they had the yeah. climate protection plan. And, the, and, the all, and it, it goes back to the smart growth in the 90s. It's all the same plan. No private houses, no private automobiles. Everybody's on a bicycle. Everybody lives in a city, a 50-minute city, where all your, your, your job, your entertainment, your education, your everything is all in one little government-controlled entity. It's all the same goal. It doesn't matter how they call it, whether it's climate change or smart growth or, or urban planning or infill or any of these things. It all is the same basic plan. That's what's so fascinating about it. It's it's all a gulag. It's all a yeah, gulag. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 ultra communism. Like you know, everybody in the DEI plans, the diversity, the equity, and the inclusion, we're all included. We're all included <laughs> on equity. We're all included on two thousand five hundred calories a day, right? Where we have zero kilograms come from dairy or dairy alternatives, right? So you don't even right. get soy milk for your coffee. And uh, zero calories a day estrogens. for me, yeah. right? Well, there's not, there's, it's an insane plan that gets us to all equal. So anybody who right now is espousing socialism, you know, or T minus one communism and T being the time for the maximum that we'll tolerate of communism and we inch it toward it, inch it you know, through the, our institutions, through our professional bodies, through our corporations. Anyone who thinks that this is about making people's lives better, that this mm-hmm. is about taking down the capitalist structure in order to put, like, greater socialism and we'll all be happier, has got to take a look at this uh, climate action plan and where it really takes us. And imagine what their life is like. Are you, do you have a selfie? You get a new phone. Everybody gets a new phone or device every seven years. They tell you how many um, how many plane trips you get. Three short haul flights or one short haul flight every three years. Your municipal government's going to be able to enforce that. And how they enforce it is through the smart city plan, which has 
been funded, right? And the funds go to your to your tax to your mayors, and they spend it on setting up the uh, infrastructure, which is uh, the cameras and the Wi-Fi and the 5G. Um, the cameras go on every light, and that infrastructure works with your smart meter on every house, and it creates this, you know, people is data uh, and micro-examination of the individual within this space. And all of this is being set up with legislation, with infrastructure, and the idea that you as a taxpayer are funding your own future prison. So all mm-hmm. these gooders who want their children to be forever, you know, servants, in de- you know, indentured servants to the feudalist lords, uh, right. you know, they need to wake up fast. And I think the best way is that you're waking up your neighbors, you know, because all of these climate action plans, can be found at the local level and they're being implemented. So I have a great video that breaks it down minutely that takes you from the UN uh, net zero to C40 or and to global covenant of mayors and mm-hmm. then the actual plan and how it's implemented. And then I have done it for the city of Toronto where I broke it down and, and proved that it's in the process of being implemented. Mm-hmm. And then additionally, what they do is they, within the climate action plan, they have two or three individuals at the local level in the municipality who are endowed as, you know, in charge of a climate action plan. And it, mm-hmm. on an ultra level, bypasses democracy even more. And what those people do is they advise council of the steps that they need to take and council assumes that's probably for you know so you know the world doesn't fall apart and die or burn up or whatever it is the alarmists are saying so they these individuals tell inform the city council what legislation has to be passed and those individuals also inform the federal federal and provincial or state governments what it needs to be passed to support this. So within the municipality, you find out who's in charge of those climate action plans. And those people are taking orders directly from the technocrats. And mm-hmm. these climate oh, we action- talked a lot about that. Uh, Patrick Wood's been on the show a few times, and we've, uh, I've gone over a lot of his stuff on the, on the whole technocrats, technocracy right? and everything else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is how the technocrats are maneuvering. They, they mm-hmm. go in and they get two or three people in your council, in your city council, those two or three people bypass democracy. They implement the technocrat goals. They tell the, um, the city councils what needs to be passed, and they tell the other levels mm-hmm. of government what needs to be passed. So you have within each and every city, you have these technocrats and those are the only people who are probably in the know do they know what they're being implemented what's being implemented are they well paid do they understand either if they understand they're evil if mm-hmm. they don't understand they're useful idiots. they're stupid 
Yeah, right? exactly. Those, those are your choices. Evil, or, you're either evil or you're an idiot. <laughs> or yeah. well, you probably could be both. You could be an evil idiot, but yeah. You know. Well, so so who do we talk to? So the public health people. This is really interesting. So the public health folks okay. are the ones who are trying to implement these these who regulations. I still want to look more into that because I don't think the, I think we've rejected those in the United States. The rest of the world might sign on to it, but they don't have the protections we have in this country. Uh, so no, but you different. did in 2005, and not only that, it's your. Well, that's what I want to check. Yeah, yeah, the Biden administration advanced the amendments to this thing. The oh, I Biden know they did. Am- right? They're not even a legitimate and- government. That's a, they're, they're a fraud government, so that, that's a whole other thing. Uh, we can talk okay. about that sometime. But, um, no, I understand. I think you're absolutely right that. But what I want to find out for sure uh, is if they were actually ratified. Because not, not that they're not enforced, but that it, this, is a, this is a way to fight it more directly. And that's what I'm looking at. So if the public health people if, are doing Even the, if they're the, ratified. Right. Even if they're ratified, what you have uh-huh. to do is locally and in every state well, that's what I'm asking move, you about. move to right. dismantle. Right, right, now, right now, everybody's looking at, well, what do we do next in terms of, well, well we won't ratify that treaty and we'll be fine. Nah, uh, uh, uh. Nah, uh, uh, uh. What needs to happen? <laughs> what needs, I know. What needs no, no, to happen? No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got four kids, right? So I've got like mom voice all the time that breaks out. Oh, I know it's hysterical. Like, yeah, it's right, okay. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I interact too much with children in way. I don't know. So well, politicians, you know, children. Right. It's not that, it's not that different. Right. But but what we need to do as a society everywhere is to take uh-huh. the 2005 treaty and dismantle it. That can okay. be done. And that demand has to be done at every level of the government. We have to start calling public health offices as satellite foreign offices taking over your country. They are satellite offices of the WHO. They are satellite offices who are aggressive against our interests that have that are trying to take over the world. But in and you know, they have these great videos, you know, TED Talks oh. and and who they are. Excellent media. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Wait, they have, it's the nicest gulag they, I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. We, if you want to have demonstrations, your public health offices don't answer to you. They answer to the WHO. And how they did that was by creating satellite offices through the 2005 International Health Regulations. If you dismantle the 2005 International Health Regulations, you don't get amendments. Right. You don't get. No, that makes sense. Uh, but what I want to know is, 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 the, is where we find the climate change administrator. So public health is doing uh, the who, the who's work at the local level. Uh, the district right. attorney, George, George Soros, paid off our district attorneys. So that's why the criminals right. are all on the streets. So that, that's the local yep. level they're doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg funded the local election offices to throw the election to Brandon uh, and uh, to get rid of the Trump electors. That's why we have Brandon in the White House. So mm-hmm. who... At the local level, not the who, not the who, as I call mm-hmm. them, yeah. But, yeah. but who at the local level is running the, uh, the climate change? Is it the city so, managers? Is it, uh, who is it? Okay, so at least, I can, tell you in, at least I can tell you in uh, Toronto, uh-huh. they have in two or three individuals within each city council who are in charge of administrating the climate action plan. So hmm. every person has to find out in wherever you wherever you are listening what your climate action plan is 
who are the city councilors in charge of that? Those individuals are likely the technocrats. Those individuals are, if they're not the technocrats, they're taking uh, instruction yeah. from the technocrats. If like you the city managers? Know, no, they'll be council members as well. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, they'll be council members as well. And so the Global Covenant of Mayors will tell you where your city is. They're given badges. Like, you know, like it's, you know, your girls. I get those on Facebook too when I participate. <laughs> yes. You get badges based on how far along you are in implementing the gulag. And, right. and so so then you can look where your city act, action plan is and, and ask, when did you implement this? What, um, what did your city council do in, in letting your citizens know about, mm-hmm. you know, often some of this stuff will be put in as uh, bike plans, right? So right. Oh, yeah. you're, you're carving up your cities with 15-minute um, cities and, and the bona fide reason or the MSM reason is always going to be, well, you're going to have this walkable city. You're going to be able to walk to get your groceries. You're going to be walk to walk to get your vaccines. Okay. You're going to be able right. to walk, you know, to walk for your, your indoctrination. Your kids can walk for their, their brainwashing. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. You can walk for your medical <laughs> assistance and death. Yeah. Maybe you got your appointment card for that already. I don't know. Right. Um, right. Like, so in Canada, that's pretty far along as well. Uh, that's another topic. So you, your your citizens should go in c40.org. Your citizens should go in global government global globalcovenantofmayors.org. See where they're at in terms of what and and YouTube has these great videos because these mayors meet. Um, C40 mayors meet every year to congratulate each other on how far they are along on their communist implementation of life, right? So, you know, DEI is taking down, is creating communism at the corporate level, right? Equity is we're all equally deprived of life, right? We're all equally given our caloric content and we're all equally given our, uh, you know, allocation of steps and where we can walk and, and what, what, uh, what are the barriers. And a lot of people think, well, this, this has got to be crazy. And then certainly when I started looking at it, um, it bothered me that people were writing these laws, right? These, they were very well structured. They mm-hmm. were very well thought out. And what was eerie for me, I thought, well, well, how can so many different places around the world be passing similar uh, legislation? that just is not probable. And, you know, I studied the play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. If you, if you keep tossing heads after a while, you know, you have to ask yourself what is going on. Right. Right. right? Each time. Yeah. It's a 50, 50 chance. But what are the chances that Italy and Canada and, you know, Iceland are all having the same local issues that we have to have the same types of legislation it's improbable it's improbable well, especially because they're not the same climate <laughs> kids right. are all there they're microclimates there are nation national climates there are climates along lines of latitude i mean there's all kinds of different climates so i started scratching the surface and every time i got to scratching the surface more i thought mm-hmm. i called this stuff legislation and waiting like why why do why are we passing this legislation why are we passing extreme laws so yes yeah, like chess know, what, pieces 
right? Why? Why are we passing these laws? They're not being implemented necessarily right now. Mm -hmm. But the restrictions are being passed. So in Canada, for instance, there's a law called um, Bill 36, and it was passed in B.C., but it has long-arm jurisdiction. And it purports to regulate all the professional bodies, all of them, right? It starts with medical but it has provisions that are like, oh, well, if you have an occupation, well, what's an occupation? Right? That's anything, <laughs> right? If you have right. an occupation and we think it's in the public interest, well, you know, what we find is in the public interest is really repressive all the time, then we can govern you. Oh, occupation plus somebody's opinion that it's in the public interest. So we can govern you. So that's anybody. Right? That's absolutely so they're judging which everybody. occupations are valid and which ones aren't. I mean, investigative journalists might not be considered a, a valid uh, public interest uh, occupation anymore. In other words, but the public interest just means government interest to me. I mean, I define right. public, public interest, interest. as uh, – yeah, so that's what they mean by public interest. So when they say they we're doing mean, this in the public interest, they're really doing it in the, the preservation of power for the government interest. They, they are. don't care about the public. Yeah. That's how it, you but know. So, but, so but if you're governed by Bill 36, then all of a sudden really mm-hmm. bad things can happen to you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it's not just the chiropractors. It's not just the nutritionists. It's not just the doctors. It's not mm-hmm. just the nurses. If you've mm-hmm. said something that they consider misinformation or disinformation, they can fine you 200 grand. They can send you per So incident. is this a Canadian law or is this the part this of the This is a Canadian law. This is right, Canadian what's a, which, which one? This is interesting. It's called Bill 36. Okay. Okay. Is it and in like force I said, now? It's in force. It's okay. uh, in force, and, and, and it has long arm jurisdiction. And when I looked at this, I thought, well, mm-hmm. this, this is like writing out tyranny. This is writing out tyranny and codifying it. And it goes on for like, what, 184 pages of tyranny. Okay? <laughs> and it's, it sets up a little stasi system where mm-hmm. they empower these stasi type cops who go around and they can allocate new powers to themselves as needed. That's literally part of it. Mm-hmm. They can give themselves new powers as needed. Okay. They can go and, and so if you are governed, you're a nurse, you're a doctor, you're a chiropractor, you're you know, any of the, of the health professions, but also if you have an occupation and it's in the public interest to be governed. So that's everybody. That's everybody. Under the guise of, oh, we're going to bring all the professional body regulations into one area and codify that, um, you know, that's how they pass it. But if any of these people in BC actually looked, and in my view, it has long-arm jurisdictions because they can have these little, these little Stasi court systems where mm-hmm. they look at whether or not you've, you've communicated with someone who's governed. If you've communicated with someone who's governed, and that information is about a vaccine or something that's misinformation or disinformation, you too are brought into this. And they can do search and seizure on the basis without a court order if they think it's urgent and not because you might destroy your evidence. What's that? You might delete an email. You might, mm-hmm. yeah, right? So this, if this kind of professional regulation, it is the utmost entirety. It also has a black box in it. And a black box means that you don't know. You don't know what provisions are going to be next because it says it also codifies and brings in every single or any international regulation it wants. Oh, 
So stuff that hasn't been passed yet, right? People right. in BC passed a law that says provisions we don't know are are part of this. We're, we're passing, <laughs> right? So I don't know. Maybe we're putting people to death for mis- misinformation or for the planet or for something else. I could be anything. We're cutting off your yeah, head. Could. Yeah. Right? Right? We're mm-hmm. going back to, you know, you grabbed extra food beyond your 2,500 calories. What is that? And I thought to myself, who on earth drafts this? Who are these legislators, you know, these very smart people who bring forth this tyranny and they codify it? So the professional bodies are being weaponized everywhere. You must look, uh, whether or not you're a professional or not, you must look at how the professional bodies are being weaponized against individuals, right? So mm-hmm. then you don't earn a living. You either comply or you don't earn a living. You don't earn a living. You don't get to support. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something I noticed in COVID too. Uh, this is probably in the <clears> provision <throat> somewhere that the doctors, uh, we have doctors here like uh, uh, Ben Marble, Jim Thorpe, um, Dr. Judy right? Mikevitz is a friend of mine, all, all the Brian artists, all the big folks in COVID, right? Um, yeah. They all were threatened with having their licenses taken away, except Judy. Judy's not a medical doctor. Uh, she's a molecular biologist, a um, couple of PhDs. But the other ones, especially, uh, all had the medical licenses threatened. It's like you will, you know, carry the government protocol line, which, of course, we all knew was BS and was killing people. Uh, or you can. So in other words, you can lose your medical license to practice for telling the truth and saving people. Um, but if you kill people you know, with remdesivir and ventilators, that's okay. You'll keep your job because you're doing what the government approves in their protocol. That's sick. Now, it's the same thing in this bill where they control your, your uh, not only do they give you your occupation, but they can take it away from you if you don't comply and follow all the, all the protocols and procedures. And, okay. and it's the same kind of thing. And anybody is brought into this occupation. And, and back to your Judy Mikovich, to your Dr. Nath, how is that not speech? How is that not speech? Oh, I have an article. And that goes to your area of expertise. How is that Mm -hmm. not speaking? And so I did a video on Rumble, and it was that, you know, the CPP, right? If you don't agree with the the Communist uh, Party in China, yeah, yeah, the Chinese uh, Communist Party, then you, you don't get to work, right? Well, that is what we're doing with the professional bodies. If you don't agree on the matter, you know, medically, with a, a COVID narrative or whatever the narrative is in future going to be, whether it's going to be the climate alarmism or anything else, you don't get to work. That again, wow, we're back to communism. Everywhere you go, Everything comes we're back, back to communism. You're back yeah. to communism, right? Yeah. Diversity, yep. inclusion, and equity. Equity is the race to, bo- to the bottom. And, and people, you know, people don't understand that because they, it, it, it starts with equality. So, you know, equality and equity have the same first three letters. Well, that is about it, right? We've, <laughs> you know, yeah. That yeah. is about I, it. Uh, One is communism and the other is, uh, uh, you know, the basis for, uh, you know, actual rights and yeah. um, access to rights. I have to hold you up a little bit because i got CJ with her next report. She does her wellness report, mostly on nutrition. Uh, I don't know if you have time to stick around for a few minutes for that. Uh, see if you have, I like to see people have questions of other people they don't normally get a chance to talk to. But I just got one question before I bring her on. Uh, and yeah. that is, did you, get, did you get a chance to take a look at our Australian Bill of Individual Rights, which basically counters pretty much everything these I, globalists are doing? I have not. I, I've been focusing okay. on some yeah. – uh, the, the, I'm involved with Action for Canada – 
And uh-huh. um, I'm involved with the C40 and the 15-minute city counter activism. Um, and since not a lot of people are doing that yet, um, I've been trying to focus my educational efforts on getting people involved in that. Okay. And, well, Let's. I don't. We can talk off the air about coming back next week. But my goal would be to get you back soon. Uh, but enough. But enough time. Maybe like a week or maybe even two weeks, um, where I can take a look at the C4, look at the things, and see which uh, see what the climate pat, uh, guess climate control plans are for around here. Now Milton might be a bit small, but I'm sure Pensacola has one. Being big oh, enough I'm, and being a more being a liberal city, I'm sure they're big enough know, to get one. Twelve thousand cities across the U.S. Tell me the cities, and I'll I'll just. Well, Pensacola, Pensacola would be the closest big city around here. But okay. um, I'm sure we I, I can look at and I, we can have callers call in, you know, from different places and see what's going on. I'm going to make CJ's line live now so she can join us. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, so, CJ, just to let you know, we've got uh, lawyer Lisa here who does a Substack column. She's a, a lawyer, an environmental scientist and a bunch of really cool stuff. You guys actually you, you almost sound like it's kind of funny. <laughs> CJ, how are you doing today? I am good. Thank you. It's been a busy morning here in my household, as I let you know already this morning here on the East Coast at 1016, my day started early for me, but that's okay. It's all good. So you guys do sound alike. You should do a show together. It's hysterical. Um, <laughs> let's, um, so maybe we should, um, but in conclusion, if you can take a look at our Australian Bill of Rights uh, and then come back when, you know, when you have a chance to do that. And I want to take a look at some of the C4 things. Let's just see if you have a, a climate plan for Pensacola, then I'm going to get on to CJ. Unless CJ has questions. She hasn't been listening that long, so I don't want to. You know, put it on the spot here right now. Um, do you have? Does Pensacola have a plan? If you have it quickly looked up, I'm just curious. I have, I don't have it looked up yet, so I'm. Still okay, well I can look it up it. on my own. Yeah. I don't want to take up time yeah. for that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, CJ, have you have you heard anything about the, some of these things? The uh, the C40 plan, the the, the 15 minute cities, the uh, the the whole climate change. You know, you get to or what was most interesting to me was the calorie limitation. Now, we've talked about bugs on the air before about having they want us to eat bugs, they want to get rid of meat, but I've never seen uh, a 2,500 calorie limit per day. That's actually a bit much. Isn't 2,000 what the FDA says for a normal adult? They're actually giving you more unless they want you fat. CJ, <laughs> do you know anything about this? Uh, I, I, I do not, you know, I, you mentioned like climate change and things like that. Obviously, I, I know, you know, some about that, but no, I don't. Okay. Just curious. Well, uh, Lisa, where do they get that 2,500 calorie figure per day? Um, it's, it's from the C40 RUP, um report, and let's go to the first page of it. So okay. I can tell you the future of urban consumption in a 1.5 degree Celsius world, C40 cities have headline report. Right. And, you know, it's basically why do we need to act? Why is it important to measure consumptive based emissions? And you're the consumer. Eating is consuming. Wearing clothes is consuming. Moving right. is consuming. Reducing the climate impact of urban consumption. And they, they pretty much take it down to the urban level and then, your smart cities is the infrastructure that is the technological area of it. The, mm-hmm. um, the C40 cities and the climate action plans under the Global Covenant of Mayors puts the physical elements together. Um, and then what can be done? What can cities do? Consumption interventions by category. And it breaks down the target consumptions to mm-hmm. be climate action. And then, you know, your apps, right, that control you, it'll tell you how much, 
you know, CO2, every purchasing, that's like to normalize this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's coming out. And then they have this horrible stuff I call laughing at you, which is oh. delivering consumption interventions will provide wider benefits to the city. So like while you're starving, it will tell you how much money they've saved, right, in implementing oh. your prison. Wow. Like, oh, yeah. It, it, you know, I have a sub stack, and, and I go through this in a lot of other areas. But when I go to the Global Covenant of Mayors, um, there's 182 cities that are mapped in uh, the United States. And um, they, they also have regions that are mapped, like Kyoga County, Ohio, San Jose, California, Columbus, San Francisco, Charlotte, Austin, Seattle, Denver, Boston, Memphis, Nashville, Las Vegas, Baltimore, Louis, Louisville, Portland. And that's just the United States, right? I mean, they've done this for, for most countries, right? 12,000 12, cities, 12,000-something 12, yep. cities across the world, you know, Anchorage, Cincinnati. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't have it, um, you know, broken down in any kind of rhyme or reason here. Like, first page of it is Alameda, California, Aurora, Belfast, Birmingham, Clarkson, Eau Claire, Flagstaff. Well, no countries anymore. <laughs> it's just alphabetical cities. That's it's not even alphabetical. I think it's organized from smallest population to largest population. No, not even. It's, okay. it's right, Eau Claire, Lacrosse, Lancaster, Lexington, Med. Like, you should explore Global Covenant of Mayors, our cities. Well, Stay let me do that for, for next time. Let me take a look, because I want to check out that treaty you're talking about. I want to see if it's actually, whether it was actually ratified or where it stands. I want to check with our local governments and check out the climate plans and also the public health. Now, we have a really good public health person here, our Surgeon General, uh, Dr. Lada, uh, who rejected all the COVID vaccines, the mandates, got rid of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it quite a yeah. while ago. So you can resist these people. It's not like they're omnipotent. It's not like they, uh, they can do anything they want. Uh, they're actually rather easy to resist, but you just have to know about it, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. if I can find – I want to find out the things. I want to do a little bit of research now that I know more about what you do and, and specialize in, which is great to have you on. Um, I had all these quotes from your articles. I got about 10 different articles I had quotes from <laughs> for this morning. But uh, this is more interesting, and this is more direct. And this is what we need to talk about. So this is why it's good to have you on. Um, let's hold up here. And then we'll get to CJ, who only has about half an hour herself, uh, unless you want to stick around and, and talk nutrition for a while. Um, but uh, this, is, this is a good start. What do you think? Okay, so Lisa. that's great. And I really enjoyed being on. And I know we covered a lot of stuff. And CJ, uh, nice meeting you. Nice meeting yeah, you, Greg. Okay. Well, let's get your contact, uh, Lisa, your Substack, anything else that you're doing, Action for Canada, any groups, uh, meetings, videos, anything you want to talk about, your book that's coming out, um, all that kind of good stuff. So feel free. And then we'll talk again soon. That would work. Okay. Sounds great, Greg. Have a great day. Oh, you're not going to well, – don't you give us your contact before you go? Oh, I see. I thought maybe it would be in the Substack. Okay, so it's um, – you can search up Action for Canada and um, – Lawyer Lisa Substack will get you to my Substack. I would love to have your subscribers. And um, I can't wait till you guys all check out People for Data as soon as it's yep, available. That's your book. Yep. yep. Do you know about what time it's coming out? Do you have a, any estimate on that? I'm hoping that I finish it up in the next three weeks in my okay. free time. Yeah. Well, yeah, your free time. Yeah, I'll love whatever that is. Thank you, yeah. Lisa. Let's okay. talk soon. All right. Okay, Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye now.
So, CJ, thank you. We had a little trouble connecting. Um, she tried calling in. Apparently, uh, Canadian numbers are blocked from the station, uh, and it just was it was difficult to uh, to get through. Um, and so that's why I really appreciate having a few extra minutes. But yeah, this is this is interesting stuff. So, so uh, Laurie Lisa, that's the name of her Substack column. Uh, she's an attorney. She's an environmental scientist. She does a bunch of different stuff and knows all about this this. this um, this new information like the climate protection plans and some of the stuff. So the public health people are the ones who are implementing the, the global world health organization things. Uh, I'm not sure who's doing the climate change plans. I want to find that out and I want to do some research on that. Anyway, that's where we stand, but we did have one disagreement um, on the fact that uh, she was talking about the treaty, the 2005 treaty for the uh, uh, international health uh, regulations from the who world health organization are mandated in the United States. And I didn't think so because I don't remember any treaty that would cover them. And so we're going to kind of research that. Anyway, that's what we So on your mind, what you, what you been working on? Hey, or any comments well, you have on any of that? <laughs> well, a couple of the things that have come up here recently and in, in, in my week have been the topic of lots of people being just exhausted all the, all the time. And really? I personally, now that's interesting. Yeah. I, may, I may have felt and, the touch of that myself. That's why I'm curious. This, is, this might be very personal. I might have to ask you, you know, Greg questions. So, uh, hmm. And, no, I'm, uh, yeah. and then also, the other, the other topic that's been pretty prevalent over the past 10 days to me is people talking about collagen, you know, and that's collagen's been a big, big buzzword for a long time, but knowing the difference between collagen and what they do and who should uh-huh. take what, you know, um, and, and collagen is is challenging for people like myself and for people right. who are 110%, you know, that vegan, let's just, just say. That can be a, a lot more challenging to supplement and get all the things. But um, one of the big things has been fatigue, and, and I have no proof on what I'm about to say, but my personal opinion as to why, and I mean, I felt some of this personally. Now, I think I mentioned this before. I take a lot of natural adaptogens, which mm-hmm. are herbs that adapt to what your body needs. So if I need to, right. like I take before I go to bed, bed at night, you know, um, mm-hmm. which helped me get my REM sleep, but yet I can hear stuff going on in my home or if the dog barks or, you know, whatever. And then I take adaptogens. That's the first thing besides lemon water in the morning. I take my lemon water. Then I take my natural adaptogens because it gives me that pick me up for like ready to go. Like I don't I don't want to go back to bed or sit down and chill. You know, it takes about three minutes for the adaptogens to kick in from a natural right. perspective. And uh-huh. um, what I'm do they do? What do they do? Um, they adapt to what your body needs. So, oh. like, say you're going to with the herbs that are in there. Say you're going to an appointment, whether it's a meeting, a doctor's appointment. Uh, you know, whatever, dealing with something with your kids and you're stressed out in the middle of the day. You can take a certain combination of adaptogens and they huh. will kill you out. So it really? will adapt to what your yeah, so it will adapt to what your body needs. But for pulling that into the fatigue and the exhaustion that a lot of people are feeling, I believe it's a result of Number one, in a lot of areas of the country right now, it's very hot and humid. And I don't know, I know, you know, where you are, but uh-huh. for me, 
I love the heat. I love heat. I can be out in 100-degree weather. It's all good. But I don't like to be able to cut the, the air with a knife. Like, I don't like humidity. I like to be able to breathe in the heat. Um, See, I, can, I can't breathe so, in the dry air. I'm just the opposite. I can't. You might like Arizona, which is bone dry and 120 degrees, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm happier yeah. in, in like 95, 100 degree and 100% humidity, even though that's kind of oppressive. Uh, it's easier for me than, than 100 you know, degrees in bone dry. I can't do that. Wow, that's, that's interesting. That's in, yes, yeah. I've been out to Arizona a time, uh-huh. and you're right. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I can... I can go play tennis in it. I can lay by the pool, whatever. As long as I can breathe, I am I am good. But, again, just tying this all back to fatigue and exhaustion, I think it has to do with some of the weather in certain areas and the mm-hmm. humidity. And I also think it has to do with um, maybe some things, because I don't want to get into this topic, but I, maybe some frequencies or some things that are shifting. Well, you can get in into our, it. I just I just post something from uh, from Tesla. Well, I don't. You know, in our in our life and health coaching page about frequencies and uh, energies, and of course, you can get into that stuff. Yeah, but here's something I just wrote down: chronic fatigue syndrome. This is something that was uh, it was like a big fad or as popular back maybe the 80s or the 90s. Uh, all the the not the millennials, but the Gen Xers or whatever the generation is behind the boomers. They're all getting. Uh, they're all passing out at work. And I think it had more to do with the ventilation, the electronic machines, the change in the ions because they had too many positive ions. They need to get the negative ones. from. That's why they all go ahead and lunch out by the fountain. And they felt good because the water has the negative ions. That's where people go to the beach. But uh, that's what they had a lot to do with it. But chronic fatigue syndrome was a big deal about 20 years ago. Do you remember it? Does this sound like a familiar mm-hmm. term? Mm-hmm. So what was it? What did they finally yeah. decide, decide it was? Do you remember I do not, but I do remember the topic being discussed. Okay. So it was younger folks, you know, office workers, 20 to 40, which is not an age which should be, you know, old and tired. Um, of course, one of the biggest thing that made me tired was lunch. <laughs> I have, I have a, a huge post-lunch dip. That's why I don't work in offices, you know, because I, I can't do it. I, I work better at home, far better at home, because I can take a nap after lunch because <laughs> I just, you know, I totally waste for about two hours. Um, but there are, are we really, a, is it the office environment and has working at home changed that? Do people, are people fatigued who work at home or are people fatigued more who work in offices? Where, 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 what have you found? What, what's, uh, what's coming out of the, uh, the study, the information? Well, I, you know, I have not, um, studied all of that, but my guess would be that people aren't as fatigued who worked at home. Okay. Because that would more be fresh air, I have better lighting, what? More food? I, I mean, well, I just think you're in your own environment, and you have more control over the environment in your home, I would think. Okay. You know? I, mean, I work better at home, but, um, but I don't have the synthetics. Yeah, I don't have the synthetic I, rugs. I don't have the, the you know? uh, internal air systems. I don't have any of that. I have windows. I get fresh air. I can look out windows. I'm not in a box. I'm not in a cubicle. I'm not surrounded by chemicals yeah. and all the other crap that's in offices. Right. Exactly, exactly. Okay. But I do think that there's a lot of I think there's a lot of contributors right now to what are what's causing some some fatigue and whatnot in people, and I do think it has to do with some environmental factors that are out of our control. I do think it has to do with some of the frequencies that are go, going on in in the air and just in well, the aura of, of, of the world frequency. right now. 
so explain the frequencies. How, how do we receive, send, pick up, use? Uh, how do frequencies? Uh, what are you talking about sound, light, all the frequencies? Tell me about this. Cause I'm curious. Yeah, I, I've, I've never studied frequencies, so I can't give you a direct answer to, to that. I just know that there are there are um, how do I say it? Like in in imbalances going on in the world right now, where okay. I think. Whoever they are, right? We've heard of weather manipulation. We've heard of all the things. So mm-hmm. they, I, and the um, the frequencies that our bodies are receiving just from being out in 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 the world. You know, it's like one of those things that's hard to explain because it's not a tangible thing. You know, frequencies oh, are something really. Well, grab, let's, grab let's talk about um, let's talk about radio frequencies and see if this uh, if we can apply what we know to what we don't know. Which is usually the way I, I I work things out. So AM versus FM. AM is amplitude modulation. FM is frequency modulation. So in other words, an amplitude. So with AM radio, it's all the same frequency. And I forgot what it is, but it's all the same frequency. But the size of the waves are different. So you have a wave. You have bigger waves. You know, I guess for the higher numbers AM and smaller waves for lower numbers AM. But that's how it works. It's a wave. And, and it, it goes around. They have them in low areas. They're good in the swampy areas. Water reflects them. And they can go around mountains and things like that. Now, FM is totally different. FM um, has different frequencies, but the same size wave. <laughs> you know, they just push it into different cycles. So, in other words, if something is 60 cycles, uh, they have hertz, right? Hertz is 1,000 cycles. So, and kilohertz is 1,000 hertz. So that's like 100,000 cycles. <laughs> so however fast it goes. So FM has on the FM band. It's a different band on the, the electromagnetic spectrum. And it's got, you know, it's got different frequencies. So there'd be more waves, more cycles per second or fewer uh, depending on what the, the station set up. But the wave is the same size. Now, those are much shorter right. waves, and they only work from high areas to low areas. So those are two different examples of frequencies. And you get a totally different sound based on, the, the you know AM versus FM, so let's translate that to people. Right. Are we do we receive frequencies? Do we send frequencies? Do we have a harmonic frequency per person? I don't know how much you know about this, but you know me, I always ask impossible questions because I'm curious. Right. So how do our frequencies? Right. Can we relate our frequencies to radio frequencies? Is there is there anything in common? I think there I think there is, but I, like I said, I have never studied, so that is. You know, well, uh, next not, week. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe so take I a look am, at it. Let me know to, if you're interested. You know, take a look, and then you can tell us. I'm curious because I've heard but, it before. Um, That's why I'm curious. Yeah. You're not the first to tell me that. So this is why I'm thinking. About now I'm seeing a pattern. Now I'm seeing multiple people telling me the frequencies are important. So now I want to know. That's why I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't well, have to. It's just an I option. Think, yeah. I, I think those are some of the things. The manipulation of the weather. The, the heat, the, the frequencies in, in the air and in our uh, aura, I think those are the, the majority of the things that are causing people to be overly fatigued these days. Huh. And that goes to the stressors of everything that's going on in this world, right? Because stress, stress sometimes does cause exhaustion. So I think all of those things play, play in. And some of the things, as far as from a nutritional Standpoint. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that you can can do for fatigue, right? But one of the things is supplementation. Like lic- licorice root really, really helps. 
helps you. You've got ginseng. A lot of people are very familiar with ginseng. And mm-hmm. what's sad is sometimes people take the wrong – they do play hand-in-hand hand as far as fatigue and energy, right? Fatigue depletes your energy. So people go to these unhealthy energy drinks that have all this crap in it. So mm-hmm. if you have clean, clean sources that have your licorice root, have your um, your maca in it, you know, and maca root and different things like that along with, you know, ro- royal jelly is a really good one. It doesn't really fall into an herb herb category. But it's a milky white substance, and it it, it bees, really right? does. Is that from Pardon bees? Me? Is it from bees? Yeah. Same stuff that makes mm-hmm. queen bees. Okay, just curious. Mm-hmm. All right. The things that come yeah. out of my head. Yeah. It's like I, I, it's like it's like playing Jeopardy. It's like, oh, I know what that is. Wait, I've heard that term before. So here's a basic question: uh, Sleep. Are people getting enough sleep? I would say not. Okay. I know I do. I make it a point to. Like I said, I just said I take natural adaptogens before I go to bed, and I'm a late-night person, but I tend to get at least a good seven, more, and most of the time, eight hours of solid REM sleep. If I don't get good, like, long REM sleep, I, I find it very challenging to function on four or five hours of sleep, even if it's a good quality sleep. I get all the physical signs of like just feeling nauseous and my eyes feeling heavy. Like I don't function like that because I've trained myself mm-hmm. knowing that having the right quantity and quality of sleep is more ben- beneficial. So I've kind of trained myself that way, even though I do go to bed late and I, and I'm a late night person, which I wish I could change that. I have tried to change that. It just, you know, with everything I do, it just doesn't doesn't work that way. Um, but yeah, hmm. I do think that sleep plays a role. I do think people are not getting enough sleep, whether they can't sleep and they don't know to take adaptogens and things like that. Not necessarily not melatonin, um, but natural adaptogens and things like that to help them. Or they're staying up worrying, or they're putting on the TV, or their phones till three in the morning. There's so many different stimulus stimulus that can keep mm-hmm. us up. Um, mm-hmm. But as I was saying, one, one of the biggest things for fighting fatigue is cordyceps. And cordyceps, different mushrooms, and there's tons of mushrooms, powerful mushrooms in this world that really, 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 really help. And you can get all these things organically in powders. Again, natural adaptogen formulations have a lot of these things that I just mentioned in them. You know, the maca, the the licorice root, the cordyceps, and and things like that. So those are some things that I recommend to people to help them fight fight this fatigue from a nutritional perspective. But here's a question, though. If if what they really need is sleep, you know, it's like, you know, Viagra for, for, for ED, you know, where the problem might be overweight or lack of sleep or not enough exercise. You know, so what I'm wondering is if you have, if you're attacking this from a nutritional perspective, which makes sense, uh, is that where the, the first problem is? So the first thing I would think of is, is rest and sleep. Now, I can't sleep seven or eight hours. I can't. I've tried. I mean, it's six and a half and I'm done. Uh, any more than that, and I, I get lazy and sluggish, and I actually, to me, it's like too much sleep. But a lot of times I'll get five hours at night, you know, and then I'll get uh, another couple hours after the show because afternoons are boring for me. I'm more, I'm, I love the early mornings and I love the late nights. Well, the problem is they're too far apart in the course of a day. <laughs> so this is like afternoon in the middle that I don't care about. Uh, and so is that a viable plan? I mean, it seems to be what I gravitate to. 
uh, unless I can it's get six or seven hours. It no, sounds six and a half good. hours. Okay. But like I said, the majority of people, I mean, mm-hmm. that makes sense, right? But most people are not going to do that. Most people's lifestyles oh. are, have done so long that it's like, okay, they go to bed at midnight. I mean, like myself, you know, but I get mm-hmm. enough sleep because I have the ability to sleep in until 7 or 8 or 8.30 or 7.30. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm blessed to have that option. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, yes, getting more sleep, but 90, 95% of American people, for whatever reason or reasons, can't get that. So the step, the next second best thing is, okay, if you're stressed out, if you're tired, instead of going to a pill, and people can't lay down and take naps in the afternoon. Most people. Right. I mean, some people have the privilege of doing that. We're, like, we're home types. Take... <laughs> we can if we work at home. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, most right. of my work I... is off the air. Uh, it's not on the right. air for sure. Right. Yeah. So it's better to go to something that's more of a natural remedy, you know. Okay. And then that that I that I recommend for that. So. Hmm. So assuming that sleep's not the problem. All right, go ahead and finish, then i got a question. Yeah, I was saying, so, because that's really been a big topic, because people, you know, get, are hmm. worried and scared what's going on in the economy, what's going on with all, well, all that was, the things. So, that's what I wanted to get of, into. A lot of yeah. things going on in people's brains that they can't shut their brains off, you know, to chill out enough and get into the right headspace to be able to get a good quality sleep. And then even when you're awake, mm-hmm. you know, my I mean, I'm human. My mind races a lot of times, and I have to then get myself regrounded and refocused because I thought I start thinking about all the things that are out of my control, and then it it doesn't necessarily stress me. I'm not a stressor because I know I have no control, but it exhausts me to have my brain walking, working in overdrive, thinking about all the things <laughs> that I physically can't control. I can control how I respond to them and what right. I do, yeah. but can't control, control it. So, and and a lot of people don't have the coping mechanism to do that. Well, my my brain's weird, uh, as you know. I am ADHD, is you know to the maximum. I can't read. I can't read a book. I can't read more than two or three paragraphs without my mind wandering onto a million other things. Me too. So exactly. Me too. So we're we're hyperactive, ADHD the whole bit. <laughs> however, however, I have this weird quality where when the show is over, I do it like a brain dump. And I've forgotten everything we talked about. I have to, when I do show notes, I have to, what are we talk about today? And, I, and I've been, so I'm not here. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm active, you know. But for some reason, and this is like a self-defense thing, so I can get ready for the next show the next day. So I literally flush everything out of my brain and make it a clean slate and start over. Uh, nighttime. Uh, I don't care how many problems I've heard about, how many horrible things on the news, all that stuff. You know, I go to sleep. It's just, it's a brain dump. I mean, I just, my, just, it's like, a, like an eraser on a board. It's like, it's all gone. There's nothing there. So how is it that I can do this? Uh, now, I don't, you know, is this a nutrition thing? Am I, am I, am I getting all my, my good nutrients? Is it just luck? I've got the right DNA. But how is it I can, you know, when I go to sleep at night, I don't even remember hitting the pillow. That's how fast I go to sleep. I do not remember, you know, I'm on my way to the pillow and then the alarm goes off and it's instantaneous. It's that fast. Unless I get up from like wow. the bug in the room or something, you know, but I mean, I literally do not remember going to sleep. That's how fast I go to sleep. Wow. So, yeah. Well, I, I'm not complaining, okay, but um, this is an advantage. But my question, why me? Is this a genetic thing? 
is am I getting enough avocados that are doing this? I mean, what, why is it that I can totally remove everything of concern from my head when I go to sleep, get a good night's sleep, get five hours, really good five hours, you know, and get maybe uh, an hour or two more after the show. Uh, and I'm fine. And then I start completely over again. Like it's a brand new day. Like it's my first day on radio. I go, well, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, uh, what do you call that? But it seems, to, it seems to work for me because I don't carry things well, over. Good. I would say you're of the minority. Okay. I would say you're, you're of the minority because that's not the way. I, and I don't, I don't know why. I have no clue as to why. But some people are like that. Some people can do that. Hmm. But, yeah. again, you talk to 20 people, you may find one more person like you. Hmm. Okay. That's what I so, have found. That's what I have. That, are, that are fatigued. Can you learn to do brain dumps? Can you learn to scrub everything out of your head and just completely relax? Or is, or is that more of a meditation thing? Or is it you either have it or you don't? It's like people with double-jointed thumbs. You either have them or you don't. Okay? There's, there's, there's no in-between. You can't exercise and get a double-jointed thumb. Um, but for, for brain dumps, for, for putting your mind at ease, for, for you know, zeroing out your stress, is that something that can be learned? Is there a nutritional aspect sure to it? I, I am sure that it is. That would be a question for a psychologist or someone like that who focuses in that, you know. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure that there, that there is. I'm mm-hmm. sure that, I'm sure that there is. Okay. You know, just like, just like some people use whatever means an Alexa or whatever you want, you know, they'll put on some calming music and can fall asleep. Like me, if I have music, I can listen to it. I'll be in tune to the music, but it doesn't make me fall asleep. I mean, I'm a music person. I like music, but it's not going to make me fall asleep. I can listen to it and then enjoy it. But that is so, I, you know, I don't think not everybody responds to the same thing. It's like not everybody's going to have their head hit the pillow and and fall asleep. When my head hits the pillow, my mind starts going on a million different directions. Even though See, I'm, I'm just the opposite. Now, isn't that fascinating? Right. Now, we've, got this, we've got the same ADHD. <laughs> we've got the same hyperactive brains, yet mine totally turns right. off when yours totally turns on. Exactly. That's fascinating. Okay. I'm just curious. That's why. That's why. And, and, and I'm not saying it's a good thing, okay? But I have for so long, you know, talking about adaptogens, Natural adaptions are very good and healing for your body. They serve many different purposes. So I have taken natural adaptogens for so long. And, again, this might be a bad thing for some people that are listening, and I, and I get that, and it could be. It uh-huh. could be. But I look right. at it from I'm putting good things into my body, so I'm not really concerned about it. If I okay. go away and I, and I accidentally forget my adaptogens that I use, it's very challenging for me to turn my brain off and go to sleep. I can rest, but I wake up in the morning to get whatever day, like if I'm at a conference or even if I'm away on vacation with the kids or whatever, and I get up in the morning, my body may have energy, like to go, 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 but my eyes are very heavy. But, and, and I find that when I don't take my adaptogens, I find that that happens. Because my body, I know this is like an oxymoron, my body has adapted for so long of using the natural adaptogens to get a good REM sleep that that's what my body responds to. You know? Okay. Now, some people, so that's what my point is like to you. Everybody's body responds differently. Right. Just like a fight or, uh, a fight or flight mode, right? 
people respond to fight or flight differently. That's true. And different techniques. Hmm. And different yeah. techniques work for different people. So when you asked about, you know, other meditation or whatever, absolutely. But for someone like myself, I can't meditate. Just like I can't can't do yoga, can't do Pilates. Like I gotta <gasps> run. I gotta. That's so I gotta move. funny. I can't I can't meditate either. Now is that an ADHD thing? Or do you find that in common that uh, I think because because so. we're hyperactive, our brains don't. I mean, I can slow my brain down when I'm asleep. I can't slow it down when I'm awake. It never slows down. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's 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 yeah. tied into meditation? That's fascinating. So here's a here's exactly. a little. Go ahead. Go ahead. Where'd you go? I have tried to. Med- I'm here. I have tried okay, to good. meditate many a time, and I can do it for a short amount of time. And I'm saying right. that's not necessarily a good thing. Like it's a good thing to be able to chill out and turn your brain off. I'm just saying for some people like myself, it is challenging. Therefore, I need the help from a natural perspective in order to do that. And I don't have an issue taking that help from natural adaptogens and things. And like I said, that's why one of the things I'm seeing with with fatigue, I'm not talking about stress, but fatigue in this world right now due to a lot of external factors, there are certain things naturally that people can utilize to help cope with that. And yes, are there meditation and other um, Hmm. strategies? Yes. But other than meditation, again, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not anything. I'm sure there's a lot of different things that you can use. Um, Well, let me ask you, uh, I got one more question because I know you have to go in a few minutes. Um, Mental versus physical energy. uh, Are they connected? Can your mental energy screw up your physical? Can your physical screw up your mental? Like I went to the gym the other night and came home. I can go to sleep after working out, which apparently that's unusual too. So half an hour after I work out, I get home and I'm just dead tired. I go to sleep. I had the best sleep of my life. It's just boom. I'm even faster than usual, which is pretty damn fast. Um, like I say, almost instantaneous. Um, but if you are, are people coordinating their mental and physical, or can they get out of sync, for example? So if people are fatigued, do they know if it's a mental fatigue, a physical fatigue, both? And are people, do you need to match your mental and physical energy and take care of both of them? And do they need to be coordinated at all? I Good question. question. I, think they both, yeah. I think they both need to be taken care of and addressed. But just like the example that I've given you, like if I don't have my natural adaptogens, my body can physically go and keep up with the kids and go do the stuff, but my eyeballs are just, like, so heavy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, God, I have to sit down and close my eyes. I'm exhausted. So, um, you know, I, I do think some, there's some correlation, but I think there's also some separation, and I'm just going on okay. by my, my own personal ex- experience. Or, like, I'll be like, I can't think. I'm so tired. I can't think. But if you tell right. me, hey, if you say, Hey CJ, let's let's go for a let's go for a walk together. Let's do a mile walk together. I can go for mm-hmm. a walk with you. My body is not my physical body isn't tired, but my brain and my eyeballs are just exhausted. That don't ask me to think about anything or figure out anything because I, I can't get the clarity right now. So maybe if you walk for a mile and talk about your favorite pizza recipe, something you know, just easy, right? <laughs> you know, easy, easy topics, right? What's your favorite pizza? Well, I like a Hawaiian pizza with barbecue sauce. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. You know, um, but if you exert physical energy, does that then allow you to, and you relax from, you relax physically, does that allow you to relax mentally? And, and, and does mental energy need relaxation and, and stimulus and exercise? 
is it the same as physical? This is what I'm wondering now. Hmm. Good question. I know. That's I why it's... I ask them. <laughs> I just have my moments, yeah. yeah. But this is what I think of. You know, it, but does, does it make sense to you that if you have too much mental energy and stress and you exercise and you get your physical energy out, maybe your mental energy can relax too? That's what I'm. Th- I mean, I've, I've heard things like this before, yeah, but that's yeah. what I'm thinking. And maybe it's more. Maybe it's more connected than we thought it was. Yeah, I. Th- I mean, I think. I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh. I do believe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, makes sense. So, so what you need to do? So you need to go then, run before um, you go to sleep. You need to go for a bike ride before you go to sleep. You need to run around the house yeah, fifteen but, times. What? Uh, what? No, I, I work out sometimes in the evening. Very rarely. I usually work out first thing in the morning, but. Sometimes I'll right. work out at between five and seven, you know, uh-huh. um, that's like the, the latest or five thirty and seven thirty, something like that. But then sometimes I'm so wound up and energized, like it gets that adrenaline gone for me that uh-huh. I, again, I'm up till 1230 and I take my adaptogens and can go to bed, but I'm not like you to where if I work out in the evening, or I'm doing some sort of something that requires a lot of energy, right? Mm-hmm. I can't for myself. It doesn't make me sleepy. Mm. It doesn't make me sleepy. It, it just it makes me want to keep keep going. It just bumps up that adrenaline in me even more. Okay. Well, I'm wondering also if it's a male female thing because we we heard in evolutionary times, you know, women got short naps and didn't sleep as much because they had to be awake for the kids back in the caves, you know, and the guys had to be able right. to take, you know, had to be able to take naps, you know, between hunts. They had to be wide awake for that hunt, you know, but when the, you know, when the woolly mammoth uh, hasn't, hadn't come through yet, it's like, ah, we're just snoozing here, but they had to be able to wake up or, or I forgot how it was. But anyway, sleep patterns between men and women are different. So can, is right. it a guy thing to be able to turn off the outside world really fast. Whereas a woman, you know, especially with the family, you know, back in the caveman days, you know, in our early ancestry, uh, couldn't turn that off because they had to be able to hear the kids. Otherwise, you know, they might lose the kids literally to some, you know, saber toothed tiger that would come racing through the campsite. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just guessing, but the guys are like, yeah, we can sleep. We'll be fine. We'll be up in the cave here or up on the mountaintop. No one's going to bug us. Then we'll go hunt the woolly mammoth. I don't know. Is, is there some evolutionary uh, thing to this? I, I, it sounds like there most definitely could be. Okay. Yep. Hmm. I think right. I think so. No. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Well, I might. Uh, I know you got to go. You have to go early today, right? So you don't have much more time. Yeah. Yeah. About All right. Yeah. About soon. Well, let's, let's just uh, finish up now. Oh, I've, we've had a great show. It's been fun. So uh, to give you we'll contact stuff, we'll play. Go ahead. Uh, for next What's that? Because we never got to college, and so we'll save that for next week. Yes, through college. Yeah, because I, I want to know. Well, I want know what it is first, you know, and then uh, how it applies and all those other things. It's one of those things everybody hears about. Everybody assumes they should know what it is because everybody else they think knows what it is, but they really don't. So you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. So I will. And um, yeah, we've talked about some good good stuff, but I mean, definitely, you know, if anybody's having those challenges out there, natural mm-hmm. adaptogens are. Awesome. Goodness, the the really the best way to go if you're looking for any sort of aid to help you with with fatigue, you know, without and where do you find them? Where do you find them? Sort of stuff. You can mm-hmm. um, research your own stuff online for some good things. Like I said, I have my own um, connections with natural adaptogen products that I've been using since 
probably since 20, 2016, 20, 2015 that I use with my clients that's really, 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 really good. That has a combination of everything. You know, but you really want a good, clean, organic source and probably a liquid source for absorption rate because absorption rate is better with, with, with liquids. So Makes sense. That's, that's, that's what I would say. And if anybody wants to connect with me at all, they can send an email to h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. That's h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, let's do that. Let's just close it off for today, and uh, I'll be back again tomorrow. And we'll talk to you next week. Yay. That sounds good. Well, I will be in touch. Have a blessed day, everybody. You're blessed too. Thank you, Bye. CJ. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye now. All right. Play a couple things here. I don't have to give the contact information anymore because I have a whole uh, information thing that will do that. And I'll be back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, when we will do it all again. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis, creator of Action Radio for my town, Milton, Florida. Milton, it's where I live. It's where you can live, too. It's where you can bring a new business, especially a business that helps our downtown historic district. We have everything in Milton. We have the Blackwater River. We have the Imogene Theater, built in 1912 and still booking national acts. We have Scoop's Ice Cream. We have Boomerang's Restaurant, where I get my favorite Thai chicken pizza. We have an outdoor stage for music acts and free concerts by the river. The Blackwater Bistro will keep you in steak and seafood indefinitely. We have brew pubs creating great craft beers and giving us all a place to relax and talk. But it's more than just stuff and food and buildings. It's people. Remember the show Cheers where everybody knows your name? It's that kind of place. 
So if you are tired of the cities, of the traffic, the frenetic pace of life that doesn't seem to get you anywhere, if you want a small city that has incredible potential, that combines the best of historic buildings and modern, fun, small retail shops and restaurants, and a great waterfront, plus who knows what for the future, take a look at historic Milton, Florida, in the Panhandle, near Pensacola, and the world's greatest beaches on the Emerald Coast of the Gulf of Mexico. Milton is going through a renaissance. Maybe you can be part of making it happen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.